Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Tuesdays are the best days of the week. Every time we turn around, it seems like it's time for a Wise Guys. And here we are, Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, back at it with a great show tonight. Super lineup, lots to talk about as we are one day closer to the Big 12 opener on September 23rd. I can't believe we're counting down to that. I, do you know what? When, and does everybody, DJ, does everybody see that little picture collage that you put up that Dave and I see? Um, as of there, all our as, guests? As, of all, because that brings back amazing memory. Like, I just look back and I go, man, we haven't had a bad show. No. Like, it's every Tuesday night, like, we have guests that are bringing it. It's awesome. You know, you know, flashes of Marie Osmond there and, and uh, Danny Ainge and Mark Pope. And, like, it's just like... It's been it's a, a who's who. It's been a who's who over over this whole past year, and and every one of those visual images that they put up brought back a fond memory of great conversations we've had, and it we're, it's going to be no exception tonight. And we're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Twitch. We're live on YSGuys.com, and of course our podcast, which comes out on Wednesday mornings, spans the globe and uh, and takes our show everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, Everywhere you want us, we're there. Just whatever platform you usually do, just find us there, and we'll be there for you. Find us. us, like us, subscribe, do all yeah. those things. It's all free, and uh, and we're excited. So uh, on the on the hot topics tonight, we, of course, Big 12 football is always a hot topic for us. And the thought now is, could the Cougars get possibly a home game against the Longhorns before Texas and Oklahoma bolt the Big 12 for the SEC, so we're going to talk about that tonight. Yeah, and that's a possibility. Remember when we were looking forward to the um, this season's schedule, and it was getting put off and put off, and you kept asking me, what's the really big deal for me? And the really big deal for me was I wanted Oklahoma and Texas both on the schedule in the first year because we didn't know if they'd be around in a second year. Yeah, And, and if they're going to be around a second year, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more, I want them both on the schedule next year, too, before they leave. Why not? And and I actually, I remember I said, I wanted Oklahoma here. And you, I want, you, they met all your demands. And I wanted Texas there. It's like somebody <laughs> was listening because everything I wanted, we got. We sent it to the uh, commissioner yeah. and, and got all the demands. Okay. And, and so, hey, tonight, you know, we mentioned the great memories of these these pictures we've been looking at. Um, we have a great show for you tonight. Kelly Papinga, who is the... Um, a special teams coordinator for BYU now, and also going to be coaching the edge rusher, so part of that D-line coaching crew with Sione Pua. Um, he's going to join us, and uh, it's going to be fun to ha- have Kelly. Kelly's back in the fold, uh, a former BYU player, coached at BYU, then went up to Virginia, spent last year at Boise State, now going to be back with BYU and back with us tonight. So and we're going to find out source? we're going to find out how he's going to sack that quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Get pressure on the quarterback. In, in a league that's going to be really good. Yeah, so. yeah. Hey, promises made, promises paid. That's the theme for another guest tonight, Mark Comer. He's the co-chair of the Royal Blue Collective. That's BYU's official NIL outlet. How does it work? 
We're going to walk through it, and uh, we invite your questions. It's, it's, the, it's the new face of college football. So here is this NIL, which is dealing with BYU athletes, and what do they do to make sure promises made are promises paid, where all over college football we're hearing that is not the case. Yeah, we, we have so many questions for Mark about rumors that we've heard of schools in the state of Utah. Yeah. That, that aren't living up to what's being promised and, and kids in the transfer portal transfer portal because of those promises not kept. And BYU you're gonna get a real leg up on the rest of the country if that if promises made or promises paid and they can show the data that whatever you're promised here you're getting. Yeah. And that's not the case elsewhere. And you don't have to uh, you'll take a lesser deal than uh, a deal that's pie in the sky that by the way you're not gonna get. Yeah. You just and, and especially for a parent, it's like explain how this is going to work for my son or for my daughter, and um, and so that's what the Royal Blue Collective is doing, and so I think you'll enjoy that interview coming up. Yeah. Let's jump into our headlines and start with that theme of Texas and Oklahoma. So initial reports were that they were going to get out of the Big Twelve uh, after this season, uh, and and not wait till twenty five to go into the SEC. Uh, and then word came out that, uh, well, that wasn't going to work out. So now they're going to be in for the two years. And then another report came out saying, well, they're currently going to stay, but the negotiation continues to get them out. So what's the deal? Is, is Texas and Oklahoma going to be in the Big 12 a year from now? That's still a question. <laughs> That's the problem. We're, we're not going to give you an answer. We're I'm, gonna, ask, we're, I'm asking you for the answer. We're, we're going to discuss it tonight because all indications are is that they're going to be they would, from their perspective, stuck in the league for two years. Yeah. From the Big 12's perspective, that's not a bad thing to have Texas and Oklahoma in the league. It's a Big 14. Year, right? It's great. Um, and from what we can read um, from from the national folks that are covering this, there was there was the first issue of and the hurdle of, hey, there's a buyout. And the buyout's the buyout. And the Big 12 was saying, tough luck. You don't buy it, you're in the league. And, 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 the, and we're talking and, like $100 million. And, and Texas was going, yeah, no problem, because they have more money than anybody. And Oklahoma's going, hey, wait a minute here. We don't. And, and, <laughs> and then as they started to get over that hurdle, to get out just one year early, um, then the conversations broke down between the television partners saying, no, we're not, we're not okay with that. Go ahead and go to the SEC, but we're going to still do your home games. Yeah, we get your rights. <laughs> yeah, so, so in essence, um, everybody's got to be in agreement that that the fee that's going to be paid is right. The television partners have to agree on it, all of that. It was a bigger uphill battle than anyone thought. And so what we thought was a sure deal for them to get out in 20, before the 2025 season is not a sure deal any longer. And so you know what? You you teased this at the very beginning. Hey, you got Texas uh, down there this year and Oklahoma up here. How about Oklahoma next year down there and Texas up here? Flip the rotation. That'd be perfectly fine with me. Then they can go do their own thing. Then they can do it. Yep. The... the the, th- the thing is the SEC. The SEC is getting, uh, the, they're the ones that are anxious because they're watching the Big Ten, and the Big Ten's getting UCLA and USC in time for the 2024 football season. The SEC's got to wait a whole other year before they can add Texas and Oklahoma under the current state of things. And so I don't think the SEC wants to give the Big Ten. They don't care about the Big Ten. They don't like the Big Ten. But why would you give your opponent a year to talk about how you're the best league in America, you, you're the one on CBS, you're moving forward, and, and everyone else is trying to play catch-up. That's not how the SEC yeah. likes to do it. Yeah. So, so I think in the end, they will pay whatever amount. I think the league will help them out and figure it so out. So that they can start and go eye-to-eye with the Big Ten with 
SEC's new deal is with ESPN and ABC. Right. Big Ten's new deal is with CBS and Fox. And um, I just don't think the SEC, under any set of circumstances, will let themselves be seen as the second fiddle to the Big Ten. That there's a good, that's a good point. And how much is that worth to not be the second fiddle? Maybe is, we'll find is out. Is it worth $200 million? It might be. So signing day was uh, last week. It happened between our two shows. And uh, you can find all that stuff out at BYUcougars.com. But we thought we'd highlight um, really the gem of the day. Uh, and it was a surprise to some, and it wasn't a surprise to many others. But we're talking about four-star running back L.J. Martin, who originally committed to Stanford but switched to BYU after the coaching change there with the Cardinal. And the Cougars get a 6'2", 205-pound running back from El Paso, Texas, went for 2,700 yards and 60 career touchdowns in his high school at the 5A level, which is a good level in Texas football. Uh, And here comes a freshman, and I'm starting to think, could he be like a Ronnie Jenkins-type freshman where he's, he's in the game and he's getting the ball? Well, he he was on Sports Nation earlier this week, and he says the coaches told him that he'll be on the field this fall, and I and I believe that. If you watch his highlights, he's very very skilled. He's the highest rated recruit BYU's ever had out of high school, yeah. Um, in in BYU's history, I mean BYU's had great running backs. It, high rated recruits don't necessarily translate. Like Tyler Algier was not a highly rated recruit. Right. So what? Yeah, they played him at linebacker for a while, but I Jamal just, Williams did come just, in with a bunch of fanfare. I just saw a uh, redraft of the of the twenty twenty two draft where they said, "Hey, if we re- now that we know what we know after this last season, if they were to redraft, how would it go?" And Tyler Algier was the number forty three pick in the draft, not a fifth rounder. Wow, early mm-hmm. second rounder, right? And because of his, and then Jamal Williams wasn't a big time recruit. Uh, Curtis Brown wasn't a big time recruit. Harvey Unga was decently big time recruit but not but not this kind of recruit so let's hope that stars translate to being a star at, at BYU and he's and, got and I think he'll have an opportunity to play this next year you got Aiden Robbins who's going to get the ball right be the featured back uh and then here you got uh, Martin who said he's going to fight for his playing time with Rapati and and the others that are already in the running back room but um yeah I watched the video too and I'm thinking in front of BYU's big offensive line yeah. Give him the football, and he appears to be hard to tackle, which I believe is a key to being a successful running back. Well, and he's got that. So coming right out of high school, he's 6'2 and 205, as you mentioned. And, and so he's got that frame already. He looks like he's you know college football ready. BYU will get him in the program with strength and conditioning, and he's probably going to play a little heavier than that and maybe be a little bit faster, even though he's a little heavier. So imagine him at 6'2 and maybe 215 yeah. coming downhill at you. So I I think they're going to have a a nice running back room this fall, especially with Ropati coming on the way he did at the end of the season. Miles Davis going to be healthy, hopefully, and it's going to be back to good depth, that running back position again. And you got to have depth at that spot. you got to have depth at quarterback because it's been tested. I remember Ropati didn't even play in the Boise State game. Uh, Well, he played in the Boise State game and played great, but he was the fourth-string quarter running back Going into that game, but everyone right. else was hurt. That's why he got in. And they were like, wow, look at what this guy like, hey, do, right? throw him a screen pass. <laughs> uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he and, uh, uh, you know, he won't be here for spring practice because he's still in high school. Right. Uh, but he'll be here in June. But, but Aiden Robbins will be here in, in spring yeah. practice. And so, and, and that's when I think kind of order will come into place. And then, um, then uh, Martin will come in 
in the summer, start working out with the team in the summer and be ready to go to start a fall camp. And then they'll see where they're going to plug him in in that pecking order. They'll have to earn his way, but he looks like he's certainly skilled. Uh, mentioning spring practice, spring practice starts on March 6th. It'll run through April 15th. It's just really, around the corner. Really fun stuff uh, that's going to go on that we get a chance to cover. I'm starting with BYU Pro Day on March 24th. 18 athletes going to be evaluated by um, the National Football League scouts. Every team will be represented there. Sometimes, sometimes it's not just the scouts. A lot of times for BYU's Pro Day, there's a bunch of coaches there. Um, and uh, it'll be live on BYU TV, so we're going to cover that. That'll be interesting because you've got Jaron Hall, you have Puka Nakua, uh, everybody else. I, I didn't think there'd be uh, 18, and then I was told there'll be 18. That seems like a lot. Yeah. But Gunnar Romney will be out there, and uh, just about everybody who's leaving early to Chris Brooks should be out there. And um, anyway, Pro Day will be interesting. It's funny because they just come out and they have them do it three or four things. They all judge them. Uh, I remember... Uh, it's a beauty pageant of skill. Samson Nakua turned a lot of heads. Yeah. And then didn't get drafted. And yeah. so it's it's like you're king for the day, and then and then the day changes. But, but and, and sometimes you got to be careful because you might be too good on your on your workout. I'm, I'm speaking of Zach Wilson. Yeah. So Zach, Zach Wilson was, was, a, was projected to be in the first round. And then uh, he went out, and there was talk, is he going to be the fourth pick, third pick? So what's he going to be? And remember, the Jets had the second pick. And the Niners had the third pick. And I remember standing next to Mike, Zach's dad, and, uh, and saying, where, where would he rather be? And he's like, he's just excited yep. to get drafted in the first round. He'll go wherever. And I go, but, but come on, Mike. Like, you know that the Niners would be a much better fit for him. They'd be more patient with him. They're further along in their ability to win. It'd just be such a better place. And Mike's like, yeah, it would be a better place. And then he made that crazy throw roll into his left, and I turned to Mike and I go, uh, he's going to the Jets. Yeah, it was all live on the NFL Network. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what he went from whatever to number two in the draft, and maybe he should have not been twite so good. Yeah. Because the third or fourth or fifth pick might have been better for him. Maybe so. dump a couple throws. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to know. Spring scrimmage. We're going to televise it on BYU TV for the first time since I can remember. It's March 31st, and it's going to be in the afternoon. It'll be five on the East Coast, but three mountain time. On Lavelle, uh, on at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, fans are invited. Come in for free and on BYU TV. And then after that, it's a double header. It's a double header of uh, we'll, we'll play the the alumni game. Was it flag football or touch? I thought it was flag football. Did they do it? Did they have flags last year? I thought they did touch. It was just last touch. Year. It might have been just. Play. I think touch is safer. Yeah, maybe it, maybe it was just that. But anyway, March 31st, 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain, live on BYU TV. Brian Keel, of course, cut the Hail Mary pass to win last if, year's. If you didn't see, is it, could people still go look, watch that yeah. alumni game from last yeah. year on BYU? Go on to the BYU TV app or online and go find that game and just, just watch the last five or six minutes of it. That was so fun. We had so much fun broadcasting it, but a bunch of legendary players out there on the field – Playing at a pretty high level, and the way that ended with a Hail Mary completion to Brian Keel. It was off the charts. It, it was really fun, and it's going to be even more fun this year because some big-time alumni got word and watched how fun it was last year and said, hey, you know what? If you guys ask me, I'll be involved this next so year. So who's going to play quarterback? That's the. Is it going to be Ty Detmer? Is it going to be Steve Young? Is Max going to come back to defend his, his title? There is no specific date set yet for the quarterback announcement. Right. But it's coming, and we'll keep you posted. But from what we're hearing, 
It'll be something you want to bring your family to uh, if you can get to the stadium. And if not, certainly to watch on BYU TV uh, because, uh, you know, gonna, if there's gonna, an illustrious past full of characters. I'm going to help them lobby some of these quarterbacks. I got to tell you that. I, I would, you know, I would love to see Elder Gifford Nielsen come back and throw a few. He'd have to come back from Africa. That's yeah, where but the, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they give him a little bit of a break to come Seems back from like the alumni game? Seems like they would. I'd like to see Ty Detmer, who on this program, yeah, said he'd be willing to play, and Steve Young. I'd like oh, to see Steve. Steve I'd like to see Ty and Steve going head to head. Steve, Steve stays really, really fit, right? And have any two quarterbacks in BYU history ever played more years in the NFL than those two? I don't think so. I mean, they they, they were both so. in the league a long, long time. The question for Steve, uh, and we were joking with. Athletic director Tom Homo the other night. The question for Steve is, once he gets out there, he's gonna, he's the juices are gonna come back. Steve cannot, and he's gonna he play too hard. It. Steve won't dog it. <laughs> if he so, goes out there, he might get hurt because he will go full speed. That's Steve. Circle your calendar. March thirty first is gonna be a special, special night on BYU TV with the alumni game and the and the spring scrimmage. And we we need to say they haven't confirmed any of the people we're talking about yet, but. We're, we're having some input and saying they should. <laughs> uh, as for another date to circle, you're going to have to go ahead in the calendar to September 17, 2033. Yeah, how about a 13-year payback? For Coastal, coastal yeah, Carolina. Coastal Carolina, So football schedules, collegefootballschedules.com comes up with this thing. Going, hey, we've seen the legal papers, and uh, Coastal's coming to Provo in 2023. Or 2033. Or 2033, yeah, yeah, 2033. Yeah, that's okay. Who knows how good they'll be at that time. Or But, but uh, you know, to me, you talk about scheduling philosophy. You you want, for them to come and make that road trip all the way to the mountains and play at elevation will be not as difficult as it was for BYU to go play against that very unique offense. On three days. On three days prep. That was a... That was almost a no-win possibility, and BYU was a yard away from winning that one. Yeah. Um, but it'll be a tough task for, for them to make their way to LaBelle Edwards and play. I think I, I looked ahead on the future schedules, and I think that year we also have, um, was it Virginia Tech or, or somebody else uh, sitting out there? As a P5? Yeah, you nine, think that'll stay years on, from Do you think now. that'll stay on there? I don't think so. so. I don't know if it should. Hey, what happened in the Senior Bowl? I was getting ready to watch... Jaron Hall and Puka Nakua, and uh, neither took the field after making headlines during the week, making catches and throws, and and apparently at some point they got banged up and didn't play. Yeah, they didn't play because of injuries. We didn't hear what the specific injuries were, but that kept both Jaron Hall and Puka Nakua off the field in the actual Senior Bowl game. Uh, But we can say that a lot of good news came out during that week um, regarding both of them. And, and the, you know, turned some heads with the, with the coaches that were there working the Senior Bowl, had an opportunity to shine. But the fact that they didn't play in that game makes it even more important that on the pro day that they uh, really show up and play well and, and are healthy for that. Yeah, I hope, they, I hope they can get drafted, both leaving early yeah. to take, take their shots in the, in the pros. Later in the program tonight, Mark Comer, the co-chairman of the Royal Blue Collective, will be here to explain how NIL deals work at BYU. This is the new world of college sports. It'll be a fascinating conversation, and uh, we'll take on your questions, too. So that's coming up here in just a little bit. You know, it's Super Bowl week. I don't know if you felt the difference in the, oh, I in felt the air. It. I just felt it. <laughs> it's just cold. Super Bowl week in Provo is just a cold week because it's 
the dead of winter outside. But Eagles Chiefs Sunday on Fox at 4.30 Mountain Time. And our good friend Andy Reid will be back in the spotlight. He had some good things to say about BYU during yeah. the NFL Super Bowl Media Day about Kalani and the Big 12. And, and um, we were talking the other day, has there been a more successful Cougar in the NFL than Andy Reid, no. player, coach, whatever. Well, I mean, we have some Super Bowl champs. We have some Super Bowl champ and Hall of Famer. Like Steve Young's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but I mean, Andy Reid's a Hall of Famer. Right? Not yet. He's but still will be. But he's he's a absolute sure no miss. And it feels like he's been Hall in there forever. Who? What other coach in the history of the National Football League has taken two separate franchises to five straight division championships? Uh, no one. Right, division championship games. Yeah. And uh, he's got a Super Bowl. Uh, he hopefully, he gets Super Bowl win number two. Are you rooting for the Chiefs or the Eagles? Chiefs. Yeah, I'm, I'm Chiefs too. Yeah, and I th- I'm, I'm rooting for the Chiefs of, uh, because of Andy Reid. And, and I like Mahomes. Yeah. Uh, I think Mahomes and, and Hurts is a very interesting Super Bowl matchup. I hope Mahomes' ankle sprain is yeah. manageable. Two, two weeks, uh, he played. He was a little. He wasn't as mobile as normal in the in the AFC Championship game. And uh, when he can run around, he's unstoppable. So hopefully he's 100 percent healthy, or close to it, and he can move around. And if that's the case, I really like the Chiefs' chances. The, the Eagles are a juggernaut right now, though. They're playing well. Yeah, and remember when the Chiefs and 49ers played a couple years ago, and it was this high flying offense, Mahomes and everybody, Tariq Hill, and and we thought, oh, the Chiefs are going to come in and take the Niners apart, and then their San Francisco's defense kept the Chiefs out of the end zone the whole game. Right. I mean, defense shows up in these games. Who's got the better D, the Chiefs or the Eagles? I, I think the Chiefs are better on defense than they were the, in the game that you're describing. I think they've really upgraded in there, yeah. and they're uh, they're better prepared. I, I like their front seven. They get after it, and they pressure people, so we'll see. And then we got a couple of Cougs on the uh, practice squad for the Chiefs, Matt Bushman, yep. Zane Anderson. Right. And then um, uh, we got... Covey, Britton Covey, uh, local kid out of Tipview High School who's uh, fielding punts for the Eagles. Right. And and Britton, even though he's a Ute, if you don't root for Britton, then you're just not a good person. <laughs> <laughs> he's, because, he's a quality human yeah, being. He really is. Sure. And his family has lots of ties to BYU. And he's yeah. from here in Provo. And, and uh, um, Britton represents this community and this state in, in a phenomenal way. He's got some fun stories about having to walk and not – they wouldn't let him into player parking because Britain doesn't look like an NFL football right, player. Right, they're like, forget it, you're not an eagle. Yep, and he stopped and visited with some fans and had to talk his way into the stadium, and then he returned kicks in that game. But, yeah, Brit- Britain's with the Eagles. We'll root for Britain to have a good game, but uh, I'm rooting for the Chiefs because, because of Andy. Uh, remember, during the Super Bowl, 30-second commercial spots cost $7 million. Yeah, that's all. So just see if they, after you see a commercial, ask yourself, uh, did they get me? With their $7 million, am I going to buy Doritos? Um, so that's the other, that's the game within the game. Is, hey, uh, who, I don't even know who halftime is this year. Oh, uh, it's, who is it? Uh, Rihanna. Oh, Rihanna is, yeah. is halftime. Okay, that'll be good. Thanks, DJ. That'll be good. Last, last year, I mean, how are you going to top last year? With Snoop Dogg? Dr. Dre and Snoop and Eminem and... And I'll tell you how you do it. You roll out ACDC. Mary J. Blige. Like, come on. Roll out ACDC. Let them play the hits. That's how you top that. No, because I think two of the guys in ACDC, they're still in the band, but I think they're dead. They are dead. So, <laughs> <laughs> But they are still in the band. 
They're no longer with us, but they got other guys. Okay, they got other guys. Uh, men's hoops. BYU has an interesting week. They're now 16 and 10, 6 and 5 in the league, tied for third place. Swept LMU and Pacific at the Marriott Center last week, playing some of their best basketball of the season. Right. I mean, it took 26 games, but it appears that they figured themselves out. Yeah, I, I like the fact that in the last two games, they actually figured out how to take care of the ball a little bit. Um, think about that Thursday night game. They only had seven turnovers. How good was that? Yeah. Um, and so uh, the, on Saturday, the Cougars beat Pacific. You and I broadcast that game. Mm-hmm. We watched Pacific in warm-ups, and we thought, whoa. This Pacific team is really talented, physically talented. They came in ranked 10th in the country, shooting threes. And, and this is a team that can really shoot the ball. And the consistent theme we've seen from BYU this last couple of weeks is they are dialed in on defense. They shut Pacific down um, uh, on Saturday. Uh, Foose had 19 points and 12 boards. Gideon Jordan had 12 and 10. So two guys with double-doubles in that game. And then you know, they hammered LMU on Thursday night. Um, uh, the, the return visit, 89 to 61. Yeah, that was a wipeout. That yeah. snapped a three-game skid, and Spencer Johnson led the way with 14, another double-double for Foose, and the season low of seven turnovers. And you know what? You go back another game, they lose to St. Mary's at the buzzer. Three games in a row, BYU's controlled turnovers and put themselves in a position to win. Right. One against the best team in the league. And then two against teams that are fighting for the same seeds right in that, and for in the that tournament. Same, same area. I, we did a little projection today on Sports Nation, and you know, three weeks ago, I was I thought it was suspect that BYU would be in the top four, and we've been talking about that. That you, you want to be in the first four seeds because you get a double buy. If, if you're in, if you're in the first four, you don't play Thursday or Friday. You don't play till Saturday. Yeah. And and you get a win on Saturday. Now you're in the semis on Monday, which with is a day of rest right, in between. With a day of rest, and so. You really don't want if, – if you have to play – we were going, man, the way they're playing right now, they could end up playing opening night, you know, which, yeah. which, which was scary. But with what they've done in the last two weeks and the way they've played, I, I honestly think BYU is going to end up in fourth. Um, uh, Santa Clara has a little easier route to the number three seed because Santa Clara doesn't have to play Gonzaga or St. Mary's again this year. They do have to come to Provo. I think BYU gets them in Provo. But then they play San Diego, LMU, Portland, Pepperdine, and Sandy. You know, they, they just they've got the easy route. Um, LMU possibly uh, could beat them, but but I, I think Santa Clara probably only loses one and ends up one game ahead. LMU's the other one that's in that hunt with yeah. with BYU. LMU has to play St. Mary's at Santa Clara, Gonzaga, Pacific, and Pepperdine. I think I think LMU loses three, and I think BYU loses maybe two. Um, and I'm talking about St. Mary's and Gonzaga, and I think they win the rest. BYU's got Pepperdine at Gonzaga, Santa Clara at home, at St. Mary's, and San Francisco at home. The only one that's iffy to me is San Francisco at home, but I think if they play like they played this last couple of weeks, they get they get that Pepperdine, Santa Clara, and San Francisco. They win all the home games. And then and then on the road, even if they lose to, to the Zags and St. Mary's, I think they end up with that four seed. This week, they're at Pepperdine Thursday night at 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain on the CBS Sports Network. It's a rematch of their 10-point win for BYU in Provo back on January 14th. But the Cougars are 4-4 four and four in Malibu against the Waves since joining the WCC. Pepperdine just got their first win of the year on a freak finish uh, shot. Uh, so now they're feeling a little bit better. That is a nightmare game for BYU. Yeah. I don't understand why it always is. And, and I don't think – I think Thursday's going to be just like the others. If they're not ready, they'll get beat. Yeah, the, the one thing that I, that I like is that 
with the, with the exception of the San Francisco, the, the Bay Area road trip, Santa Clara and San Francisco, it, it's not just the last week BYU's been playing good defense. They've been playing good defense all season long, and I think they're really dialed in right now. That's why I think they get that Pepperdine win, because I feel like they can defend. Yeah, they got to. That's a must, must win, because Saturday they're and, at uh, Gonzaga. And that's why I think they don't get blown out by the Gonzaga or, or St. Mary's. Um, on the road, I think they have a shot. And, up and maybe there they Spokane. win. A, maybe they win a game, one of those ones on the road, as they stay in it, and, and maybe they get the big shot at the buzzer instead of the other, the other team. Because remember, the Zags and St. Mary's both had to make great plays at the end of the game to win. Zags. That's Saturday night at ten Eastern, eight Mountain on ESPN or ESPN two. Uh, rematch, as Blaine mentioned, the Zags won by one. Back on January 12th, since BYU joined the league, no visiting WCC team has won more games in Spokane than BYU 2015, 2016, and 2017. The Zags, though, are 4-0 against the Cougs in the WCC championship game in Vegas. So there's a bunch of funny numbers. Here's another one. Uh, In the same three years that BYU went up there and won in Spokane, they went 0-3 at Pepperdine. Right. Isn't that the weirdest it's the weirdest thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and remember, that 2017 game, the Zags were number one in the country. Yeah. They, they took down the number one team in the country on the road. Unbelievable. So, so the next game is Santa Clara at home for BYU when they finish this road swing. And, and, and Santa Clara's a very good team, and they're right there in the mix, you know, for that three through five spot. But, but I just think BYU plays a completely different game at home against them than they did on the road. And I think they get Santa Clara at home. As for the league, St. Mary's now holds a two-game lead for first place at 10-0. The Zags are next at 8-3. St. Mary's beat Gonzaga on Saturday. And the Cougars and LMU are tied for third at 6-5. and five. Yeah. Uh, is the Zags 8-2, and, eight and two, right? Or are they 8-3? Uh, they are 8-2. and two. Yeah, they're two games back, 8-2. Yeah, Did I say 8-3? and three? Yeah, 8-2. Yeah, and, two. Uh, and they still get to play St. Mary's up in, in Spokane. Yeah, and, and they're, but the Zags aren't going to – nobody's going to get from – the BYU, LMU, these all with five losses. They're not going to no. – One and two up. is locked. One and two is who, is, that's who they are. What's interesting is it just might be St. Mary's instead of Gonzaga. Right. Uh, and they have a two-game lead. I, I, I think that they are closing in on the regular season title. Right. For the Gales, and no one thought that. Right. No one thought that. Yeah, and they're they're playing really really well. They had a great game against Gonzaga the other night. So, yeah. So one and two is is set. Three through six is all up in the air. And and I, you know, BYU if they if they win one of those road games at St. Mary's and Gonzaga, they I think they end up the three seed. If they if they um, lose both of those, I still think they've got a great shot to sweep the rest. And with two losses down the stretch, they get that number four seed. Something to watch, something to follow for sure. Now, for the women, BYU's 12-11. and 11. They're 7-5 and five in the league. They lost at San Diego on Saturday, 52-49. to 49. BYU had the ball with 50 seconds left, and the game tied. They turned it over, and the Toreros took it from there. Uh, BYU beat them here. This was the game, one of the games where Lauren Gustin out-rebounded the whole team. <laughs> the Toreros were ready this that, time. That happens, doesn't it? They, they, did, they did much better on the boards. Augustine had 16 rebounds to remain the number one rebounder in the country, and she had 14 points, posting her 50th career double-double, but it comes with a disappointment. Now they're tied with San Diego in third place. Right. And, I mean, think think about, and we had Lauren on here last week along with Morgan Bailey. That was that was a great treat to have him on, to have those two on together. 
But but think about what she is doing this year and what she's done in her career. 50 career double-doubles, and she has a year left, Dave. Mm. I mean, she's just she's going to shatter every record for double-doubles. And, 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 and uh, the way she's rebounding the ball... I mean, she's, it's ridiculous. As you mentioned, she's out-rebounded multiple individual teams she's, by, by herself. She's getting a lot of rebounds Thursday night when BYU hosts Pepperdine on BYU TV at 7 o'clock Mountain Time. Cougars beat the Waves in Malibu on January 14th. And then LMU comes in on Saturday, also on BYU TV. That's at 2 Mountain in the afternoon. So she's got a chance to get for like 40 rebounds right. this weekend. And they're looking for season sweeps against both of those, against both of those teams. So, um, and, and you mentioned the standings, right? That, that Gonzaga and Portland are having great, great seasons at 12 and one each in the league. And it's going to be tough. And, you know, Hey, I root for Portland a little bit because my, my niece is up there. <laughs> well, no. uh, you're talking about Fowler. Yeah, but she's yeah, but not she's really. one of the best players in the league. Like I, a few years ago when she was a freshman and she was just playing lights out, we were covering the tournament and they were in, in warmups and I, I talked to her and I said, Hey, um, I'm your uncle from Utah. I'm Blaine Fowler and I'm, I'm broadcasting stuff. And she looked at me and she said, are you really my uncle? <laughs> I said, I said, no, I'm not. But she's like, oh, okay. I said, but we have the same last name. And if you keep playing the way you're playing as a freshman, I will, I will absolutely claim you as my niece. You'll and, adopt her and bring her and in. So she's been one of the best players in the league since she walked on campus there. So I'm claiming her as my niece. And, uh, and she's, she's having a great season again. So those, those teams are both really good this year. Um, but you know what? I like the way BYU's playing. I feel like things are coming together for the women's team as well. And I think they're going to make some noise in that tournament. Volleyball team is now up to number 10 in the country in today's new poll. They are 6-2. and two. They split the road trip at Ball State. Ball State was ranked 8th. So a win, a 3-1 to one win, and then a 3-1 to one loss to uh, Ball State gets him up to number 10 in the, uh, in the polls. And uh, it seems like that's a program that just lives in the top 10. Yeah, they're, they're, if they're not in the top 10, it's a disappointment. The bar is raised pretty high with that program. And, and uh, that's the one program that's not going to go into the Big 12. Yeah. Because they're in the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation, which is the premier volleyball league in America. And the teams in the Big 12 don't play men's volleyball. Right, right. They play a couple of other sports. It'll be interesting to see if BYU adds some sports. Um, it, it's interesting because if you add a men's sport, you have to add a women's sport that has an equal number of scholarships. But it's, you know, they, there's some sports in the Big 12 that BYU doesn't currently play. I saw a tweet. Someone had asked Tom Homo that question, and he answered him back saying they weren't going to add any now. The plan was to march forward with what they have, but certainly the yeah, possibility. And I'm not talking about it right away because yeah. there's been no real consideration for that. It's like, hey, let's try to adjust to life in the Big 12 as we are. Mm-hmm. But, but down the road, you have to wonder, would they, would they think about adding some sports to compete at, in every sport in the Big 12? UCSB is at BYU, the Smith Fieldhouse, Friday night at 7 o'clock Mountain Time on the BYU TV app. And then they're back at it Saturday night, 7 o'clock Mountain Time on BYU TV. Are you gonna? Are you doing either of those? No. Okay. I'm, not, I'm, not do, I don't do volleyball. We leave that for Spencer. For Spencer and, and Jeremy. So I'm gonna go to the volleyball game Saturday night. We're gonna go. Brendan and I are gonna go take that in, and then Friday night, Brendan and I are gonna go take in, and a bunch of our our grandkids are gonna go take in the gymnastics meet. Nice. Um, the, the gymnastics team dropped a decision to number 22 Southern Utah. How about the fact that SUU is is ranked in the top 25? Um, but this week, Southern Utah comes to BYU. That's Friday at 7 p.m. Mountain, and that one's on BYU TV. So 
I'm going to be a true Cougar fan That's this true weekend. Cougar fan. I'm doing gymnastics Friday night. At the Marriott support Center. Support our, our, our women's gymnastics team. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to do uh, volleyball on Saturday night. It's a good weekend. Yeah, that's a good weekend. It's a good weekend right there. The golf team, it's not golf season in Provo, but it is golf season in other places. And uh, Zach Jones, we congratulate the sophomore. He won the Arizona Thunderbirds Intercollegiate in Tucson, his first collegiate victory. And uh, the BYU team finished in fourth place. They're back at it February 16th through the 18th at the John A. Burns Intercollegiate in Hawaii. Here's the thing. I would love to be a college golfer because they play at all the oh, coolest the places. greatest courses in Warm, America. Warm, all that stuff. They're, they're, if they're not in South Carolina or Arizona, they're in Hawaii living the dream. Yeah, and I know it's it's a good life. And But there's a lot of pressure that comes with playing <laughs> well, there's golf that. There's competitively. That. But, but I'm with you. I want to play all those courses. Man. How about the women's golf team? As, as you mentioned, they're down at the FAU Invitational in Florida. On, on a great golf course, um, they're playing in the Paradise. In, uh, Paradise, or they just played in the Paradise Invitational. Um, Alicia May Mateo uh, played really well. She posted a seven under mm. total and took third in the individual in that tournament, big national tournament. She's playing really, really well. And the team finished fourth. They were right behind uh, Vandy Vanderbilt, who won the tournament. Um, Nebraska was second, Missouri was third, and BYU came in fourth in that big national tournament. Softball, by the way, is uh, opening week. They're in Mexico. Right. Well, you're talking about <laughs> you talking about, um, about golf. What about volleyball? Every, what everyone, about softball? Everybody's what where about we're like, not. Where's the basketball team going next year? They all take a great trip, right? They take a great trip. Well, the softball but, but team. But softball's like, they're, they're capping it off. But go ahead. They're playing North Carolina Thursday morning, 1030 Mountain Time. And then Thursday afternoon, they play Wisconsin at 4 Mountain Time. And then Friday, they play Maryland at one mountain time. And then Saturday, they finish up there in Puerto Vallarta against North Dakota State at 1030 in the morning. And it's all available at, um, uh, I think it's flowsports.com. Yeah, that's it. Flow, flow Softball. Flow Softball. Yeah, Flow yeah. Softball. Um, and you might have to pay a fee, uh, but Coach Eakin told us it was worth it. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't cost very much. And you can watch uh, all these games with the Cougars playing softball against P5. As you're going through those that list of names, you're thinking like, whoa, th those are some big names. All in Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It seems like it doesn't matter what sport you play collegiately. You know, every so many years you get a big tournament. But but softball and, and then baseball, they seem to have to go south to warm weather to start the season because it's oh, a little... Yeah. A little early, so they always get a great. They get a great. Track. Softball's playing seventeen road games before yeah. they come. And, and isn't back it to home. isn't it men's basketball's time? Isn't the, the year this next year for them to do a big trip? A foreign in the summer? trip. A foreign trip in the summer. Yeah, maybe like Australia yeah, or something. A, a few years ago, they did they did the Italy thing and the Europe thing, which was really cool. Um, it's a great experience for these collegiate athletes, and I think I think this is the year they're up for that again. So that'll be, that'll be fun. Track and fields, cruising along. The men are ranked 21st. The women are ranked 22nd. Too low. They're going to finish higher than that. Both teams have nine athletes currently ranked in the top 25 per their individual events. And they are at the Jarvis Scott Open in Lubbock, Texas, this Friday and Saturday. And there's another, there's another meet somewhere else that's taken some of them that way. So they're kind of splitting a little yeah. bit. But, um, you know, we'll at see. At these invitationals, they can do that, take individuals. But mark my words, they're both going to finish higher than that. Yeah, they're usually they're, right they're, there in the top 10. They're top 10 programs. And so I, 
I'll be really surprised if they're not higher than that as the season progresses. And how do you have that many ranked individuals and not be ranked higher as a team? Seriously, I'm not sure exactly how polling works yeah. with, uh, with the runners. Yeah. But um, they're still in the top 25. Yep. And moving forward. And how about how about baseball? They're still prepping and getting ready to get going. The season opener is at Louisiana Tech, Friday, February seventh, or no, it's the seventeenth, and that'll be on BYU Radio. Next week, John Beck's going to join us. Yeah, that'll be great. Now, John is the one when he was a great quarterback at BYU, uh, but he's he's parlayed his football prowess into a career as a coach. And, and he was back with the Jets, remember, to mm-hmm. helping Zach Wilson. You know, everyone knows the story of Zach driving in his car 11 hours down to California to work with John Beck. Um, right now, Keaton Slovis has been working with Beck for the last year or two. Um, R- and Ryder Burton has done Ryder a Burton. bunch of work with him, the incoming freshman from Springfield. Jaron Hall, obviously, yep. with him. And so uh, he's the perfect guy to come on next week and, and talk about um, Jaron Hall's prospects for the NFL and how he feels Keaton Slovis will settle in and do at BYU. And John doesn't just have BYU guys. He's got multiple current NFL starting quarterbacks that he works with. And so um, John's pretty knowledgeable on what it takes to be really good. We should say that John was pretty instrumental where he had worked with Slovis and worked with a lot of these high level college guys too. I know that he's got a pipeline in terms of, uh, he's got a direct line to BYU where he talks to Aaron Roderick and these guys and when they were looking for a transfer portal quarterback, knowing that Jaron was going to go out, uh, John weighed in on that. And I know that John gave a really high recommendation for Keaton Slovis. Yeah. So, And that says a lot because John knows talent. He really knows talent. On February 21st, linebackers coach Justin Enna scheduled to join us. And our good friend Dr. Dewey Gray will join us from uh, via Zoom from North Carolina. And uh, that'll be a fun conversation. He's, uh, he's a... Uh, how, how do you, would you describe Dewey Gray? He is, uh, first of all, he's a pastor. Uh, or, uh, um, he is a with, charismatic with, but But he's a pastor that, that, that is, uh, is plugged in. He's a religious man. Um, he is one of the highest character of anyone you've ever met. Um, he's a great representative of BYU. We'll talk about the great experiences that he had here. He's a great advocate for BYU. And... Uh, Dewey brings a lot of wisdom. So we're really excited to have Dewey. I I want I want Dewey, and he's actually indicated that he might come play in that spring scrimmage, too. Really? Yeah. He's indicated that he might be... We'll have to, we'll might, have to get a we confirmation. We might be able to coax him into coming and playing. We'll have to get a confirmation so. during our interview. Also in February, uh, Sione Puha, the defensive line coach. Look forward to him. Kalen Hall, that's Jaron Hall's dad. We'll get some insight on... Uh, Jaron's preparation for the draft and also what it's been like for dad to kind of see his sons come through BYU football. Of course, there's there's another Hall playing on the baseball team. That's right. And uh, so this is a fun time for the Halls. Chris Oak also uh, getting into March and and, uh, and then we'll be right into spring camp. Yeah, yeah. And Chris Hoke... uh, I think Chris is, isn't Chris like either the stake president or the stake presidency stake in Pittsburgh. President. Yeah, that's why we're working around and, his interview schedule. And he, and he also <laughs> um, hosted uh, a bunch of uh, radio and television stuff back in the Pittsburgh area, uh, covering the Steelers and the sports scene in Pittsburgh. And uh, one of the great all-time Steeler D linemen. Two Super Bowls, right? Yep. And and Chris is one of the hardest working guys I've I've ever ever met. 
and, and I've told you this, but when, when he first went into the NFL, um, he was in, like it was during camp and he called me and he said, Hey, um, if I get cut, I want to come talk to you because I want to talk about getting a job in med device and, uh, and I want you to help me brush up my resume. I said, you're, you're in the, with the Steelers. Like he goes, yeah, but just, you know, just in case, I'm just telling you, just in case I ever get cut. And well, he made the team yeah. and he played as a rookie. And then after the season, he says, hey, can I get together with you? Because I want to brush up my resume and I want to work on some stuff and I want to get better and I want my resume to be better. And I said, yeah, but you, you made the team this last year. Like you make it again. Well, you never know. You got to prepare. He did this for five years. Five years after each season. Like by the fifth year, I'm like, dude, you are the starting tackle and a five-year veteran. There's no way in the world you're getting cut. And he's like, no, but I always like to brush up my resume and, and I think one of the reasons he had such great success was he always played as if he wasn't quite good enough. Yeah. Played with that chip on his shoulder where I've always got to work. I got to outwork everybody. He was crazy talented, right? But, but he also outworked everybody. And the guys that were similar in talent to him, nobody played better than him that was similar in talent because he just outworked everybody. I'm really excited to have Chris on. He's going he's gonna to share some great stories with us. Our technical guys are trying to hook up with Kelly Papinga. And we're having some challenges tonight. Uh, so while we uh, keep that going, and Mark Comer's going to join us here in just a bit from the uh, Royal Blue Collective. Uh, this morning you were on BYU Sports Nation. Right. And you were asked which games in the Big 12 you were most excited to see. And uh, and then you laid it out. What 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 was number one? My, so my number one game, it was like, what are the most important, most excited? Like rank them one through twelve. My number one was Oklahoma, and 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 so not Texas, because Oklahoma's coming to Laval Edwards Stadium, because Oklahoma really has been the flag bearer of that league for the last decade, where they've consistently been a, a, a competitor, either in or right on the verge of the college football playoff. Um, they they weren't great. They had a downturn this last year because their coach left and took nineteen transfers with them, but. Yeah. Um, so to me, that's the marquee game on the schedule. Um, and, and I love that it's November 18th. I love that it's in November. I love that it's at BYU. And it's it's a little bit of a rematch. Their starting quarterback is Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel was the starting quarterback for Central Florida when BYU literally shut him down after he came into that, into that bowl oh, yeah. game as one of the leading passers in the country. So will he have a little thing in the back of his mind so he comes into that game. Man, last time I played these guys, they had me figured out. It'll be interesting to see. And they did have him figured out, didn't they? Yeah. And they chased yeah. him around all night. It was, it was a really good game plan. So one was Oklahoma. Okay. Number two is at Texas. I said I wanted them both. And so... You got them. And I just feel like at Texas, it's the, it's the other marquee program. Even though they haven't been great, they've been on the uprise. Steve Sarkeesian's there. I just love the fact that these kids get to go play in front of 100,000 plus people. On the road. They got nothing to lose. Everyone's going to expect Texas to win just like last time. It's awesome. Um, So I think for most people, one and two on the schedule are going to be those or in in reverse order, right? My number three is at Oklahoma State. And and, and the reason is I feel like that's going to be a longtime rival for BYU in the new league. And it's it's a great college football environment. The place will be sold out. It'll be crazy. I think it's a winnable game for BYU this year. If they come out of there with a win, it'll be a very memorable game. Yeah. And it'll set the tone for, hey, we're here to compete. So that's my number three. 
And then my number four is at TCU. Those are, those are my first Those four. are all hard games. Well, and TCU is defending college football playoff participant, right? They were in, runner in, up, in the yeah. finals, the national runner-up this last year. Um, it's an old rivalry, so that's going to be renewed. There's a lot of history between these two schools. And so, and so for me, TCU comes at number four. What do you think about those first four? Those are four very tough games. That's the world we're going into. I think I I think I'm looking forward to those uh, the same. Um, I, I think I'm looking forward to Texas. I went on my mission there. Uh, I was there when BYU came down and beat the Longhorns, twenty two to seventeen. And then the next year they came up here and BYU beat them forty seven to seven. Texas hasn't had a great time with BYU, and then you fast forward to the Taysom years and they hammered them one year, and they went down to Texas and beat them worse in front of yeah. you, me, and a hundred thousand fans. And um, I just think that um, BYU fans clearly remember the Taysom leap and all that stuff. I, I'm sure Texas has moved on. They've oh, got no. other things. They still But remember. they will be reminded. <laughs> like, they, they have no idea how much they'll be reminded of Taysom when, when this game rolls around. I think they'll be sick of it. They'll be happy to not see him out there on the field. Yeah, so do you have Texas as year one and Oklahoma year yeah, two? Yeah, I'm going to go Texas one and then, and then Oklahoma. And I love that they're here. Um, and Oak State at the end of the season, that could be that, you know, we talked about earlier, that could be championship implications on the line for Oklahoma State. You know, they're, right. they're joining, they, they start the schedule going, all right, we're, we're planning to win this conference, right. whether they can or not, I don't know, but that's their thinking. While our thinking might be, okay, how are we going to get to the middle and don't, just hang on? Don't you love that it's a big conference game on the road at Oklahoma State on Thanksgiving weekend? Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't been like that for a long time. I mean, Fox might put that on at like twelve thirty on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and uh, and let her rip. And um, and again, it'll be a game. BYU's got nothing to lose. No one expects them to win, Um, but that doesn't mean they won't. Yeah. So your your first three are all 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 the same. Just you flip the first two. So just so, so everybody knows, my five, six, seven, and eight are Cincinnati, at Arkansas, payback time, right? Iowa State. And at Texas Tech, people are like, why Cincinnati number five? And my feeling on that is I, I feel like um, Cincinnati, that's the big game where we go, okay, Cincinnati, you've been really good the last couple of years, but we're going to set the tone right here and right now. BYU is going to be the dominant team of the newcomers that are coming into this conference. And remember, BYU doesn't play Central Florida or Houston this year. So they, on, they only have Cincinnati and uh, um to, to be able and to be able to play of those four teams that are coming yeah. in, I think it's a big game. I put it at number five because I feel like BYU has to set the tone. Then I feel like BYU owes Arkansas. When I go back and watch that Arkansas film, when when I finished that that game and we did the pre and post game show, I felt like Arkansas was just way better. When I went back and watched the film, I felt like no Arkansas wasn't that much better. BYU played horribly in that football game. Assignment-wise, they had all kinds of issues. They couldn't tackle their quarterback. Um, I feel like it's payback time, and I feel like that's a game BYU can go on the road and win. That's why I have that as six. Iowa State has had a good reputation. They were down last year. I feel like they'll be back up again next year. That's why I have that seven. And then then Texas Tech is a game that that, – I think it'll be really fun for fans because they're going to come and run the air raid offense, the old Mike Leach offense, and throwing it all over the place. BYU's had some success against those type of teams, and so I have that eight. 
Nine at Kansas. I know Kansas was a little bit um, better these last couple years. That, that quarterback that got hurt as they went on that. Remember, they were playing really well last year, and they lost their quarterback and their running yeah. back. Um, those guys are back, so I think they'll be um, a much better team again this next year if they can stay healthy. Um, I, I, but I don't, I don't value that game in terms of excitement as much as the others we've talked about. At West Virginia, I have his 10. League game, but they've just not been good the last couple of years. And BYU's played back there, not at West Virginia. They played them in a neutral site at, at RFK Stadium back there. And then, then I round out with Sam Houston at eleven and Southern Utah at twelve. That's the group right there. Yeah, so. that's going to be a that's going to be a blast. And any blatant mistakes I made there? No, no. It's it, the whole thing's going to be fun. Starting with Sam Houston on September second, and Keaton Slovis at quarterback, and and uh, and optimism sky high, and the Big Twelve logo painted on the grass, and uh, and reality will have finally reality will have finally met expectation and hopes right. and dreams. And uh, that will be fun. Curtis Brown on YouTube saying, hey, just passing along. Uh, how, would, how would it be to have Curtis Brown in the backfield for oh, the man. Cougs this fall? Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, CB is the best. And, and, uh, and we had CB on with us. And um, he he uh, such a great representative of, of BYU and, and, and such a great career here. And, yeah, we think the world of, of Curtis. Glad to, glad to see he's listening in tonight. Our guest here tonight is part of the new face of college football with name, image, and likeness. BYU alum who works as the co-chairman of the Royal Blue Collective. That's the official BYU NIL collective helping players cash in on their talents and get prepared for their future lives. It's our pleasure to welcome Mark Comer to the Wise Guys. Thank you for being here. Well, I walk in and I see all these logos on the wall. And it's especially for us that have been fans for a long time. Yeah. Through the, the WAC and then the Mountain West and then Independence. And you go and you look. I mean, I want football to start tomorrow. <laughs> I know. It can't start soon enough, can it? But Well, uh, what, your business uh, keeps football going year-round. Talk about the, the season. You're in a different kind of season, but we certainly want to break it down. When Marie Osmond was here on this show uh, last fall, she told us at a time uh, when she was a student, uh, and also performing at the Marriott Center concerts and, and making money. And, and, and we, we thought about, well, if Danny Ainge was sitting next to her in science class, uh, if he went to the Marriott Center and, and made some money because he can make baskets, that would be an NCAA violation. <laughs> and so one student is allowed to while the other student cannot. And I know that uh, you're a big proponent of, of NIL because it allows for... Um, for student athletes to get paid uh, after so many years of of the universities cashing in on their name and their image and their likeness, and it's it's a whole new we're in a whole new world. It's amazing how different it is now, even than one year ago, but about a year and a half ago when it became legal for the student athletes to to get paid, and there it's it, it was a wild wild west all of a sudden. And so everybody's scrambling. Nobody really knew what the rules were. Nobody really knew what the impact was going to be. And so you kind of have a lot of negativity out there because you hear of these deals that were promised and not delivered right. or all these things happening at other schools. To, to, to me and to the Royal Blue, the, the board members, this is a really positive thing. It can be a super positive thing for the athletes, not just helping them with financial support, but in a lot of different areas. So, yeah, it's it's there's no off season, 
as far as the collective goes because it is something very necessary for BYU to have. And I think the administration understands that really clearly. But also at the same time, we, we need to make sure that we do everything the right way because it is BYU and it's not just any other school. We tell you, Kelly Papinga is going to join us in 35 minutes here on The Wise Guys tonight. So we flip-flop a little bit. Um, Mark, who makes up the Royal Blue Collective? There's seven board members. Um, Wilford Clyde, uh, who just retired as running Clyde Companies, Geneva, Sunrock, and all those companies yeah. after 45 years. Mm -hmm. He's a board member. Uh, Lon Henderson, um, Brian Hawkins, um, Sterling Sessions, Craig Cusick, former basketball player mm -hmm. and, and is now over at Qualtrics, and Andrew Van Buren. So, so it's a bunch of guys that have different businesses and different things that they've done. But we all have in common that big BYU supporters and, and big BYU fans. So, so why has BYU chosen um, your group as its official NIL collective? Well, it, it was a long process for sure. And, and what BYU, because collectives are completely independent of the school. So the, the, the athletic department can't control it. They can't make decisions. They can't tell the collective what they can do. So anybody could really go. And there are NIL deals that companies have done directly with the athletes. The, the challenge is there, there are regulations that need to be followed. Like the athlete has to, there has to be a deliverable. Right. It's not just cutting a check to an athlete and saying goodbye. There are deliverables. And so I think BYU, when we started talking to them about forming this collective, they wanted to just be able to get to the point. They know that they can't control it, nor do they want to, but they want to feel comfortable that we're doing things in line with the church, with BYU, and with the, with the athletic department. So how does it work? There's the collective. There's Kalani and the football program. And um, Kalani can't tell the collective what he wants, needs, or desires. Uh, and so how does the collective get the job done? Well, good question. Um, you know, if there's, we work, I will work directly with Brian Santiago in just communication. The deputy AD, he was on with us a couple weeks ago. And, and, and it's been great because they can make, like they can make suggestions, right? Or not suggestions as far as specifics, but just, you know, here's, here's some, some of the core players or, Here's some of the kids that, that there are being recruited and other schools and some of the offer, not the offers, but kind of the general uh, deals that some of these kids are getting at some of the other schools. And so, so we work directly with Brian and we get, get some general ideas. And then as a board, we have a Zoom call every Tuesday um, and we just, we go over everything and we vote on everything together as far as who are the athletes that are going to get some support what does that support mean? And then with Encore Sports, they're the ones that are taking care of the deliverables. So we're making sure that we're completely in line with the NCAA compliance and we're not doing anything that's going to get anyone in trouble. It's interesting you say um, the university then, they can share information information with you saying, hey, listen, um, we're recruiting this athlete. You get a list of who they're recruiting, who they're trying to land, kids in transfer portal that they're interested in, the kinds of deals they have. So you do have that information. So how does a thing happen like we just were all reading about this last week where a kid says, oh, yeah, I just had this $600,000 offer from a collective at a university. I don't know if we should name it, but uh, at a university. And the kid says, uh, 
I'm not even getting recruited by that university. It was the University of Utah. We yeah, say that because no, the kid said yeah, it. Yeah, the kid said, I'm not getting recruited by the University of Utah. And he signed with Tennessee. Uh-huh. And, and it's just like, how do you get to the point where a kid's making a claim that a collective that's somewhat affiliated with a university is making him a deal at a university that's not even recruiting him or he's not even thinking about, and he ends up signing with Tennessee? How does that miscommunication happen? Well... Kind of what happened when the NCAA decided that they weren't going to pay the athletes for a long time and they wanted to go to court and let the court decide thinking that they, they'd rule in their favor and they didn't. The NCAA in a lot of ways kind of lost control over a lot of aspects of what you can and can't do and especially paying, paying the athletes. So they, they put out guidelines every once in a while, but it's, it's like Dave, you were saying, you know, with Marie Osmond and Danny Ainge, you know, there's... There's influencers that go to BYU right now that are maybe making ten or twenty or fifty thousand dollars a month as a student, and the NCAA can't say, "Well, the football player sitting right next to her, no, you can't." So they, they don't have they don't have that control, but they put out these guidelines, and it wasn't really clear on what donors could do. Could could a donor or a fan reach out to any athlete across the country and say, "Hey, would you be interested?" And the coaches. Didn't know about it, probably. The administration didn't know about it. So so in October, and then again, recently, they kind of came out and said, look, you can't, you know, it's kind of the school's responsibility if a donor reaches out to a player that's not in the transfer portal, that maybe is not even being recruited, or is offering them money, the school is going to have to answer for that. The NCAA will actually go back to the school. So things are getting a little clearer now, and it really was the wild, wild west. And not a lot of, you know, it's uncharted territory for everybody. But I think that it's now at least everybody kind of has an idea of what you can and what you can't do. I'm I'm glad to hear that because we were hearing stories months, a few months ago that the kids that had no intention to transfer and were not in the transfer portal were getting contacted by NIL collectives from other schools. And they're saying to them, hey, if you're not thinking about transferring, you should get in the transfer portal because we've got a deal for you here. Right. Come down here and leave your school. And now the kid who was not ever even thinking about transfer. Now he's thinking about it. Now he's in the transfer portal. And that's, as far as the NCAA is concerned, that that to me is blatant poaching. Mm -hmm. Because the kid's under an agreement with that university. To me, once he's in the transfer portal, hey, he's he's open game, right? He's, he's, He's open to be recruited by other universities. But until he's in that portal, you can't go edge him or push him to get in the portal with a promise of something. And has that been made clear now then? Yeah, that's clear, but it's also kind of hard to control. Let's say there's, you know, millions of BYU fans and how many of them are on Instagram and how easy is it for a five second little DM to, to this player. And so I think making the school responsible for that, or at least having to answer to that, I think that's going to really kind of help quell that, but it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a hard, it's a hard thing to control. Yeah, for sure. Mark Comer is the co-chairman of the Royal Blue Collective for BYU Athletes. We're thrilled to have him on the Wise Guys. We're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and YSGuys.com with the podcast up tomorrow morning, diving into the name, image, and likeness transformation of college sports. Does BYU have any say on how much you can pay an athlete? No. They can't tell you that, no. hey, this is a sweet gig over here and... This guy's offering what you that can't that conversation can't happen. No, but they, they can tell you um, this kid's in the transfer portal, and we've heard that Texas A and M's offered him a 
a fifty thousand dollar a month deal. They can, they can get you can they can give you that information, right? Right. We can get general information from them, and with Encore, it's really helpful because they manage other collectives and they're in that world. Oh, good. So they hear all that, and so we understand from Encore, hey, this kid has been offered this much from Texas A and M or, or whoever the school is, and that allows us to, you know, we there's been some interesting situations already, and talking about controlling uh, players getting contacted when they aren't even in the transfer portal it it's happening a lot sure and and so what we want to do is when we hear about that we can go and sit down with the player and we can say look here's what because they're already here they're at byu here's what we can do for you we're not going to go out and try to compete with alabama and oregon and texas and all this huge money that's being thrown around but there's so many other benefits in addition to some financial support that we're that we want to set these athletes up long long beyond the time that they're at BYU and give them some other career options when they're done and really tap them into the network. BYU Nation is one of the most unique fan bases in the country right. with some really successful businessmen and businesswomen that love BYU. And so those are things that we want to kind of throw in there to help them see the big picture of, yeah, the financial support. Maybe you are going to go get more at another school, but... This is something that we're going to help you you're, set you're up for a lifetime. You're going to get mentoring. You're going to learn skills. You're going to learn how to, f- to manage your money. Pay taxes. You're going to have a network of people. It, it's interesting, uh, Mark. So I, my son-in-law is Dallas Lloyd. Dallas was a top player in the state of Utah mm-hmm. coming out of high school a few, few years back. He signed with Stanford. The reason he signed with Stanford was he went to his recruiting visit. Jim Harbaugh says, uh, just a minute, I got somebody I need you to meet. He walks out in the hall. He grabs Condoleezza Rice. Mm-hmm. Condi comes in. She sits down with him, and, and Dallas and his dad and mom are going, uh, Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice is here. She's the dean there now. And she says, hey, I hear you have offers from Washington, UCLA, and USC, and BYU, and Utah. Those are all great um, schools, and they're going to have a great four-year commitment to you. I commend you on that. The difference between them and us is we have a 40-year commitment to you. When you come to Stanford, we are going to network you with the greatest network, bar none, including Harvard, in the country. And you will always have a job, and we will always take care of you for the rest of your life if you come here. And I'm not sure anybody else can offer you that. And she talked through players that have come through. They also said any player that comes here and leaves on good terms to go play professionally, they come back, they're on scholarship again. We're going to pay for the full Mm -hmm. cost of you getting your degree because we're interested in you getting your degree and being networked. So then Jim Harbaugh walked around the hall, and Dallas looked at his mom and dad and said, I kind of feel like an idiot if I don't sign here right now. Like, Like no other schools even talked about that. What you're saying is BYU wants to get in that game where they say to these kids, yeah, we got money for you right now, but you need to look at the long term because BYU is going to take care of you throughout your career. We're going to network you with the right people. We're going to teach you the skills. And whether you play professional sports or not, you're going to come out of here and have a network of people that you're going to be taking care of for a long, long time. A hundred percent. And what's interesting, and I've talked to a lot of athletes that have gone to other schools that those promises of networking were made. Every one of the athletes I've talked to left those schools without being really truly introduced to those networks. Yeah. And so, you know, BYU has a successful network of business people as just about any school. I mean, there's how many very successful guys within 15 minutes of Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Right. So what we want to do is while they are here, while these athletes are here, we want to do the financial literacy classes to teach them about taxes and setting up entities. And we want to do branding and, and, and marketing 
that they can do the do's and don'ts of social media. And so we have a, a series of classes that we're putting together for the athletes. But as much as anything, we want them to, to be tapped into the mentoring network. Good example is 20 athletes are construction management majors. Well, Wilfred Clyde would be a great mentor. He was managing... WW Clyde is a gigantic... Gigantic with multiple companies. Right. And so so most athletes think they're going to get paid to play professionally, and about 1% of them ever do. So if we can at least say, and we we don't want to dash any dreams. Hey, that's your dream. Go do everything you can to, to fulfill that. But if you don't, we have a plan B and a plan C of a network that they're meeting while they're at BYU instead of when they're done, and then they pick up the phone and start calling local business people saying, hey, you know, is there any opportunities for me? So that's a big thing. And that's something we're pushing a lot is the great network. We're also just real quick, we're setting up an advisory committee that is former athletes, men and women, and also um, businessmen and women from the area that will also be part of that mentoring that so we can connect these athletes now and give them some real, real future options, career options, if it doesn't work out for them to play professionally. We're getting some good questions from our live streamers tonight. Uh, can Mark better explain what Encore is? Yes, we get that question a lot. Um, Encore, Encore is a sports marketing company, and they will deal with individual athletes, and they help them get NIL deals, and, and they have a lot of different companies that they work with. So they actually will come to Encore and say, hey, we have this in our marketing budget. We want some of these, some athletes from BYU. Encore will kind of help bring them all together, put the agreements together for them, make sure that they're that they're good for both both parties. For the collective, they're they're kind of like our operating partner. So when we when we're raising money and we're going to do something for the basketball program, we'll work with Encore to find what those deliverables are going to be for these basketball players. What they have to do to get the money. And Open Doors is the platform that all these athletes get paid on. So an athlete will open up their Open Doors account, for, as an example, with the basketball team. Part of what we want to do as a collective and part of our charitable trust side, the, donation, the charitable donation side, is get these athletes more, more involved in the community and really good projects around, around Provo and around Utah Valley. So we did a, a uh, the, the, at the BYU, the basketball players came in and they made 150 lunches for the road home. And they're doing that. It's something really, really positive. And then Open Doors and Encore, how they will pay is that's, that's a deliverable. That's actually a deliverable that they're, that they're doing. And that's not the reason they're doing it, but we're able to, to bring a really good project, bring these athletes into this project and get them involved. And then when they when they complete their deliverable, they upload it onto their open doors. So they like take a picture of them at the event. Take a picture of them at the event. Upload it. Yep. And then they get it's, paid. It's publicity. And then they get paid. And so so these athletes, they, they may have a contract that Encore helps you put together or helps put together with you that says, Hey, listen, this is how much you're gonna get paid a month, but this is what you need to do monthly. You need to have you need to be active with social media. You need to post four things about this entity monthly on your Instagram mm-hmm. account and comment and help us sell that. You need to make these public appearances and tout this. You need to do these things charitably. And so there's this list of things. And as they do these things, they're held accountable for those things. Then they can then they can tap into the money that's put aside for those things that they have that are considered deliverables. Exactly. That's how that works. So that's- there's no free money. There's no free money. And, and there's actually two ways that people can donate to, to the Royal Blue. 
One is, uh, it's a a 501c3, so they can just make a charitable donation, and then us with Encore will decide what the deliverables are for the athlete to get that money. Or companies that want, they might want to tap into a few of the the athletes and have them on a commercial, have them post, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. social media, and... That's like a, that's a marketing expense for that company. So that donation is treated differently than the, just the charitable donation. Well, we hear about influencers on social media. You know, we, we, we know people that have millions of followers on Instagram and companies come to them and say, listen, I just need one post a week from yep. you wearing our shoes and we're going to give you a hundred thousand dollars a year. So if, if that's fair game for them, why should it not be for an athlete who's already in the public eye? 100%. And, and getting back to Encore to answer that question, you know, our board meetings that we have every week, they organize everything. They're taking the notes. They're helping because all of the board members, we all have, we all have other lives and we all have other yeah. jobs and we all have things that we're doing. So they've been really key in really bringing the organization together and the follow-up on all the things that, that we've been working on. Is Encore Sports Marketing based in Utah? Yes. Because because it's a BYU grad that's the president of Encore Sports. That's that's uh, uh, Russell White, right? Yeah. And but but they work with universities all over the country, right? Yeah. Right now they manage Arizona State, Louisville, and and I think a couple of others, which has been good for us as well because when we're thinking about doing things, some of the experiences that they've had with the other collectives is really useful. So a couple of quick questions, and we're visiting with Mark Comer, the co-chair of the Royal Blue officially endorsed NIL Collective at BYU. Um, You get your financing from donors and your board. That's where the money comes from. Mm -hmm. That's what's used to pay BYU's NIL situation. Um, How do you decide how much a player is worth? That is the million-dollar question. That is... And what's interesting is... Or a $200,000 question. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of depends on the question's not a deliverable. (laughs) question's not a deliverable. You're not getting paid anything, Dave. A lot of the things that we've been hearing other schools are doing just aren't happening. And and we're finally having enough history and data to kind of expose the ugliness of the NIL deals. And so what that does is I think it's going to kind of settle in and, and it allows us to actually, this, this next month, we're, we're going to be able through Encore to get data by position of what kids are truly making across the country, which is going to be very helpful to us. Sure. The other thing is BYU is a unique place. A lot of these kids are here, and it doesn't matter about the money. And so they've been really grateful for anything that, that, that we've done with them. Now, that's not always the case, meaning some of them need to be taken care of at a little higher level. But, but it's just really interesting because we don't, as we, as we do these programs and as we do the NIL deals with these athletes, it's not necessarily gauging it on what that player could make at UCLA or at Texas or, or something like that. So it's kind of hard to put a real value, and it really is kind of an individual case-by-case deal with, with all the athletes. And you can't judge it on 10 touchdowns, you get a certain amount, right? No, there can't be any... It can't be can't performance in their no. sport. It has to be something they're doing off the field that they is a deliverable. Can't be tied to that. You can't off, make an offer for you know a pay-to-play, pay-to-come to the school. Um, it's it's kind of interesting, you know, kind of a lot of the rules that there are, but no, you can't do anything like that. So you don't get involved with a kid really until he's signed, he or she? We, we can sit down and meet with them 
before they sign and say, look, somebody of your caliber and somebody here that's at BYU, this is kind of these general yeah. general things that, that this athlete's able to get when they come to BYU. But it can't be, hey, we're going to offer this If you this do this, exactly, we'll do this. Exactly right. So Re- Reggie Bush was just ahead of his time, wasn't he? So was Jerry Tartanian. Because <laughs> I think about Reggie. I was thinking about Reggie. Yeah, Jerry was too. We worked with Jerry. So I'm thinking Reggie Bush. If you're recruiting Reggie Bush, and you tell me if this would fall in line with deliverable, and you say, listen, you come here and you you play running back for us at USC, and uh, we're going to build your family a house, but in exchange for that, um, you're going to have to do a whole series of commercials for our housing com- our building company. The builder is going to sponsor you, and you're going to talk about the house and how it's built, and you're going to take people on tours of the house, and you do all this stuff. In exchange for that, we're giving your family the house, and they could get away with that, couldn't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Reggie was just ahead of his time. You don't get the Heisman <laughs> as part of the deal. You have to earn the yeah, Heisman, well, you don't but you can't you get, get the house. You get a hundred thousand dollar bonus for winning yeah. the Heisman, but no. <laughs> but you, but you would, you would have to somehow be marketing that house and working for that building company, and then they could give you a house. Well, what's really interesting is, you know, a lot of people think, well, these kids are on scholarship, and that's huge value, and they don't need to get extra money. But these kids can't work. You know, outside of their school hours, they're practicing and they're working really hard. To, to get better at their at their sport, yeah. and so when when the end, that's why I said it's it's a positive thing. I remember Tom Homo years ago talking about Kemba Walker after they won the national championship at UConn, and they're interviewing him, and the confetti's all flying all around, and his comment was, "Yeah, but something needs to be done because we go to bed hungry most nights." It, it, they they were there bringing in billions of dollars. For the NCAA and for the schools. CBS, everybody. Everybody. And they were going to bed hungry. Well, and and, and the thing that was happening, and I've witnessed this personally, even at BYU, you have kids that come from a disadvantaged home, okay? And and they come up here and people say, wait a minute. They have have their school paid for. They um, they have all their their, uh, books and all their fees paid for. And then they give them $1,100 a month living allowance, and they can rent an apartment for $600. And, mm-hmm. and what they don't realize is that they were working every day of their life back home. So they're, they, they're taking the extra money, and they were sending it home to their family so their family could pay rent because they no longer were home with a job supporting their family at home. This was a wage earner at home that went to play college football. Right. And, so, and people are like, well, that's ridiculous. That's plenty of money. You're not thinking about where some of these kids came from. Yeah. And and I love that they can be helped. I, I hate the craziness of it. I mm-hmm. wish there were more guidelines around it. But but I love that that should never happen again. A kid should never be a wage earner leaving that worked since the time he was 12, leaving his house in, in the projects in L.A., and for him to come is a huge sacrifice for his family who can't eat because he's not down there working with them. And along that same line, they come up to BYU. We don't want them when they graduate to to not have options. Right. We want them to be uh, to have some really good options. It's really going to impact their family for the next, hopefully, for the next forty years. Now we've jumped around on a lot of hot topics with NIL, so let's simplify it for a moment. And again, uh, Kelly Papinga is going to join us uh, in just a little bit as we continue with Mark Comer on the Wise Guys. Uh, the Royal Blue Collective. But let's simplify to Keaton Slovis. You know, all Cougar fans are aware Keaton Slovis is here to play quarterback. Uh, he signed with BYU just before Christmas, preparing for his final year of eligibility at quarterback. Met with Kalani, committed to the program. When did the Royal Blue Collective get involved with Keaton at that point? 
Not until after he was at BYU. Okay, and so then you meet with him and you determine a dollar value for his name, image, and license. Saw a report where Jaron Hall was around $300,000 for his NIL. Any limit to the amount that Keaton or any of his Cougars could make in an NIL? No, and, and that's actually interesting. He's a, he's a great kid. Yeah. And, and, you know, he really saw BYU as a place where he could perfect his trade and, and hopefully is a stepping stone to the NFL. And so it wasn't like he came in and said, I, re- I need to get this. He was already committed. And you have kids that do do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so it is really interesting because there's a small percentage that the money is really, really important for a lot of different reasons. But most of them, it, that's not even the most important thing. Right. And, and I know that Kalani, Kalani's feeling on all of this is he's excited for these kids to have these opportunities and have money. But Kalani is not excited about the kid that comes in. And, and starts leveraging two schools against one another to say, well, I'm not sure if I want to come here because Texas A&M is going to give me $100,000 more. Can you match the $100,000? Yeah. Because Kalani's feeling is, and I agree with him on this, if the kids are just about leveraging back and forth, it's, it's about next year who has a better NIL deal right. and next year who has a better NIL deal. He wants them to be committed to the program. And, like, this is where I want to be. I, I have these issues to have my family taken care of. I, w- I want to make a fair compensation. Can you guys take care of me? Then Kalani's like, yeah, let's put the wheels in motion and take care of this guy. Being leveraged is not what he, he is. In, and no. it's the wrong kind of player for BYU to bring in if that's what they're doing anyhow. That's what I was going to say is I've talked to a few of the coaches, and they've said, look, if, if that's their most important thing, this isn't the right program for them. It should almost be seen as, a, as an added bonus or icing on the cake for coming to BYU and and wanting to be here because like you said the next year I mean a year ago December kind of the first time the transfer portals there was that day there was about 200 kids that entered the transfer portal this last December first day there was over 700 kids so you want to get the kids that want to be here and 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 you don't want a kid who wants to be here to have to sacrifice everything by coming here but also showing them all the benefits kind of the peripheral benefits that the collective can can bring because he wants to be here at BYU. And, and, and BYU, we got to, BYU Sports Edit says, Blaine, I disagree with you. This is America. If BYU can't meet the money, they don't get the player. And I think, I think BYU Sports Edit misunderstanding what I'm saying. Right. I'm not <clears throat> saying that BYU, I'm saying that kid comes in and BYU says, well, we can do 400. And then he goes and says to, at Texas A&M, hey, BYU said they can do 400. Can you do 500? And then, then Texas A&M says, yeah, we can do 500. He comes back to BYU and says, hey, can you guys do 600? And it's like, we're like, like, no, that's not how it works. You're going to get fairly compensated. And if you start leveraging one against the other and, and you really don't care about the program or the, and the, and the issue with that is BYU sports addict. If he goes for 500 this year and plays really, really well, then next year, uh, Alabama comes and goes, we'll give you 700. And then he goes to Alabama the next year because he can transfer without penalty and Alabama pays him 700. And then the next year, he has he has a red shirt year. He goes for nine hundred to Florida. That's a mess for well, college football. It's a mess, but I think as his point is, it's American. He can do what he wants. He can. He can do what he wants, and BYU and, can you know do what? what they want and as BYU, well. And BYU right. doesn't want that kid, right. Right. and that's and, fine. And what was happening was there were there were some athletes that were actually misrepresentative what they were being told and trying to use that as leverage between between schools. Yeah. We're we're going to go compete. We we want to get the top athletes for sure. 
they need to be the right fit for BYU, and that's the that's the coaching staffs, that's mm-hmm. their job. But we we want to have the the right kids here, and we will go after, and we will support to get those right kids, and that's why the donations and everything that we're doing, that's really important. You know, Texas, I believe it's Tennessee that has a thirty five million dollar yeah, we, collective. We've heard A and M has similar. So so we have some great support and we've had some great support with the collective and we we want to win games we want to win games the right way with the right kids and it's not to say that there might be a kid that said you know maybe his going his asking price is 400 grand well if he checks all the boxes and he's a good fit hey that's our job to go figure out how to how to make that happen but we do want to get you don't want it to be a year to year okay well now i've got this order well now we have to go back and I, I agree with what you're saying. It's it's we want and, to have the right kids. And to survive culturally at BYU, um, if you're just coming here for the money, you're out mm-hmm. as soon as you get a little bit more money. BYU has to recruit. They always have had to recruit a little different, as has Stanford and some of these. You have to get kids that are here for more than just that. And BYU needs to be fair, and they need to be able to compete. But But if that's the only reason they're here, then they're not the right fit. And, right. and they'll be out of here quick. They'll transfer the minute they can get better money someplace else. So back to Slovis. You agree to an NIL deal with Slovis. And he has outside NILs. Right. He can have as many of them as he wants. Right. Um, and they might be handshake deals. They might be whatever. Um, but as far as what BYU offers with the collective is, the agreement that he's made with you, there are safeguards in place where the promises that the collective made are promises paid if he does the things he's asked to do. Right, and right. that explains the whole Slovis NIO. And, and like I said, he's been awesome. You yeah. know, he really is excited to be here. And so when we went and we sat down with him and said, here's, here's the things that we like would like to do for you for your, and these are the deliverables, he was super grateful, super happy, and very appreciative. Two-part two question for you. Um, how is BYU now officially in the Big 12, starting next football season, How's that impacted the interest level of athletes to consider BYU? And can BYU compete with the schools? We've mentioned a couple. Well, well Texas A&M's not, but um, we, we talked about Tennessee and Texas A&M, but can BYU compete with Baylor? Texas and Oklahoma are on the way out, so they really don't compete with them, but with Baylor and with Oklahoma State, who's a highly funded university, with Iowa State, with all of these schools in the Big 12, they're going to be competing. Can BYU compete from an NIL perspective with those schools? Yeah, absolutely. And and one thing, we're already seeing athletes that have transferred to BYU or have committed to BYU because of the Big 12, right? And the fact right. that they get to, they're going to go play in Texas a lot and they're going to go play these, these big-time schools. We can compete because we have a great fan base, national, international. We've had a lot of people that reach out to and say, hey, I want to support this. How can I get involved? I think absolutely the collective can, can, can compete with the other collectives, the other schools, to make sure that the athletes that want to come to BYU, that maybe have some other options that BYU wants, that we can, we can work something out to, to get them here. And deals outside of the collective are risky. Hope it works for you. The, the, there wasn't much recourse for the athletes when a deal didn't work out. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that, that Encore has been also really good is making sure that it's not just a handshake or a, a wink, wink. It's, it's look, this is, this is what we're going to do as the, the collective is going to do. These are the things that you need to do as your deliverables. And, and the thing is the NCAA, like they can't put a collective on probation. I guess they could say, 
hey, we recommend that nobody works with this collective any longer. But, but I think what, what you can do is you expose those collectives that have not delivered on promises. You expose the universities. If you want it to come into line and be fair, then, then some of these crazy stories we're hearing need to be brought to light. And we've heard coaches complaining. Was it, was it Washington State's coach that was saying, I had another coach who directly called one of my players who was not in the transfer portal and offered him an NIL deal. And I wanted to say, great, tell us who the coach was and what he offered him, and let's document it. Be because that's that's how you bring it to light, right? If, if things are happening that aren't above board and aren't in line with, there's not a lot of guidelines from the NCAA, but, but poaching certainly is out of line, then, then those things need to be exposed. For me, if Encore can help with that and expose some of these things that aren't happening, players are going to migrate to places where they know that they can get what they've been promised. A hundred percent. And that's, that's already happening in word of mouth amongst recruits and football players. Word travels really fast. So some of that is just going to naturally just kind of expose yeah. itself. We want to be a collective that we're never accused of not fulfilling what we commit to do. And, and that's super important to us. It's super important to the administration and the school. Now, folks watching our show tonight and listening to the podcast, uh, how can they donate to the Royal Blue? Royal Blue, the Royal Blue Collective .org. They can go to the website and they okay. can donate there. And we've had, we've had a lot of Cougar fans that have donated there. And that goes into the general fund. And then we as a board, we decide how that's going to do it. I think we've, we've helped facilitate over 40 deals with athletes at BYU now. Um, you can also, if you have a company that you want to get get some marketing out of that if you you know the social media posts or whatever you can uh you can talk directly with encore and then encore can kind of with us fashion a package for your company maybe it's a big car wash chain and and they'd like to have four athletes that are coming to different grand openings or whatever that is so that again that's as a kind of a marketing expense but we wanted to do it both ways so it's easy yeah. if somebody wants to donate a hundred dollars that's great if somebody wants to donate $10,000 or above, then they can, they can, we'll talk to them and say they, they would like this to be used in the following way. It's just hard administratively for every donation to sure. say, where, where do you want this to go? But that's how they can donate and they can, you know, get a hold of us anytime. And if we, if they have any questions about anything, but it's, it really is BYU administration has been great. BYU players and athletes are unique and we love it. And the support of, of the fan base and the business owners and, has been has been really awesome. And, and I want to reemphasize individuals when they donate, the, the the collective is set up as a nonprofit and, and it's a, and they can on their taxes write it off as a charitable contribution. Absolutely. Right? Uh, uh, as you mentioned, a business that's gonna get some benefit from it can't do that. There's a whole different format for them. But if I'm just an individual and I want to put ten thousand dollars into this, I can put ten thousand dollars and I can put that on my tax return and they'll get a receipt from you guys that shows that they um, they, they donated to a charitable cause. Right. And, and something else, uh, Squire, local accounting, big accounting firm, they're handling all of that for oh, us. Nice. We've had, when we went and got our 501c3 approved, we had another uh, Lee McCullough and his, his staff took care of that. So a lot of different people are donating their services to help this. And it's nice with Squire because like you said, Blaine, if you have, if you have somebody that donates $10,000, well, they're going to get that. So they can use that as a, it's a it's a tax write off. It's a charitable donation. It seems to give you great joy to participate in this process that that is giving student athletes something other than a pat on the back or a high five for their name, image, and likeness, and the money they they create at at 
all these universities, including BYU. I, absolutely. And I mean, we're not on any payrolls. We're not making any money, but we love doing it because we really see the impact and the ripple effect it's going to have. So hopefully when these kids graduate from BYU, they say the best decision I ever made was to come to BYU. And so it's really, it is really fun. And it is something that we feel like is going to have a huge impact, which is, you know, enter to learn, go forth to serve. How can we help these athletes while they're here get set up to really go out and make a big impact for years to come? And, and this is the only place I'm hearing talk about that. You know, the other thing that BYU did early on with Nick and the whole Built Bar uh, sponsorship, I don't know if they're part of the collective or not, but this thing that BYU did with walk-ons, and we had uh, um, Dave Simmons, one of my old teammates, who was a walk-on that I played mm-hmm. with, mentioned that to... Uh, you know, that was such a big deal um, and gave BYU so much national press that they were doing things the right way. Is there a plan in place to take care of the walk-ons on a continued basis? The, the plan that, that we're working for is we'd like every, for example, the football program, every player on the roster to, to get some financial support. And that's, that's our goal. You know, our, our goal is men, uh, football, men and women's basketball, and, but not exclusively at some point, and like the financial literacy and all these other things, that's for all athletes at BYU. But at a certain point, I have somebody who loves BYU baseball. Great. Let's put something together with your donation for the, for the baseball team. But, yeah, Kalani really wants all the kids taken care of on the football team, and yeah. that's ultimately our goal is to be able to do that. That's going to be music to a lot of people's ears. That's, it's, uh, that's a, a great thing that they did. And I, I'm sure that they got um, – there was a lot of good press that was generated from that first announcement. Unbelievable. Yeah. You can't buy <laughs> yep. that kind of marketing. Right? Unbelievable. The, the other thing real quick is with Lon Henderson, one of our board members, he, he has this mental health and wellness sports performance program that we are going to also be launching with all the athletes. Part of it is one-on-one anxiety, stress, but sports performance as well. And so that's another aspect that as a collective we can sit down and say, look, when, when you come to BYU, these are the things that the collective is offering outside of just your education at BYU. It's great stuff. Before we uh, bring on uh, Kelly Papinga, and we'll do that in just a moment, I think, I think we're ready for five questions. Yeah, we're going to do five questions. Although I was going to tell you, I was just talking to Dave the other day. We were at dinner, and, and uh, he was saying, you know what? I have like $100,000. I don't even know what to do with it. Really? Was, that, <laughs> I, was, was about, I saying that? I was thinking about giving it away. <laughs> And now that he I, heard I have this, an idea. Now that he heard that this is tax deductible, it's done. I mean, he might yeah. be. I'm going to hook you guys up after. My wife so. will be calling. <laughs> so, but there's a lot of people out there with a lot of money that want to be involved, and and you certainly well, hear from them. And thank you guys for this opportunity because sure. a lot of it is just people don't really understand how it works. Right. And once they understand, then then they're like, all right, it's, let's it's go. It's not a smoke and mirrors thing. It's a legit absolutely not setup. Yeah. Okay, and so we're we, going to get to some of these other questions a- afterwards. You know, um, some questions that are a little bit off topic, but uh, we appreciate lots of comments on the on the chat as we've been going through as well. So, all right, so we ask every guest that comes on the show five questions. Okay. They're very revealing. You don't need to think too long about <laughs> them. Uh, just just aim and First fire. Thing that pops I've, in your yeah, head. I've seen this. Yeah. All right. Favorite sports movie? Feel the dreams. If you build it. They will come. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of thought you were going to say Jerry Maguire with this whole sports. And, and honestly, <laughs> or, uh, James Earl Jones, I like him better in that than I like him as Darth Vader. Let's really? Just say that. Oh, yes, please. All right. So he was great in that. Favorite singer or band? Metallica. You and Dave will get along just fine. We do get along fine. Yes, we do. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, favorite breakfast cereal? 
Captain Crunch. That is probably our most popular. But no, I was there's a ask, reason for that because Dave likes Captain Crunch. But what about with Crunch Berries? I don't like it as much with oh, Crunch Berries. Man. Some of us don't need the berries. Everybody's no. lost in this. No, you no. you eat all the Crunch first. You <laughs> save three giant bites of berries for last. Just give me a big bowl of Captain so, Crunch, and I'm I'm good. Done. Okay, favorite candy bar, Snickers. Snickers. That's a good one. I right. like Snickers. That's Snickers is more like a meal because it actually has protein in it. So right. And then 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 your la- the last your favorite BYU memory. Oh, okay, that's a hard one. Because there's lots, I know. I would have to say being fortunate enough to be on the sidelines of the Beck to Harleen touchdown up at that stadium um, was unbelievable. And I was there when Jimmer put 43 on Kawhi sitting right there. And, I mean, I was at the Cotton Bowl. I mean, I got a million. but, But that one. Back to Harleen. Oh my gosh, that was un- I don't know if I slept for yeah. a week after that. People that listen awesome. listen all the time know that I was doing sideline on that game um, for the network, and uh, I was standing next to Brady Whittingham under the goalpost, and as, as Utah was marching down to take the lead, mm-hmm. um, I was nervous. I'm like, I'm going to be the first one to talk to either Kyle or Bronco. Like, if if, if it's Kyle, what am I going to ask? If it's Bronco, what am I going to ask? I'm going back and forth, and then Utah scored, and I looked up and I and I thought, man, there's there's quite a lot of time. And Brady looks at me and he goes, crap. And I said, what? And he goes, they're going to lose. They left way too much time. That <laughs> so, offense like was, Brady right? knew. Brady knew that, that, and this Kyle's little brother and one of my really good friends, he knew that there was too much time left on the clock. He knew that Utah scored too fast. Well, just something kind of interesting. On the, on the sidelines there, and I had my BYU stuff on, I took a lot of good-natured and some not-so-good-natured <laughs> abuse on the sideline and particularly a group, and I was standing there when that touchdown, hap- touchdown happened, and all he did was turn around and look, look at that group and went, oh, and then yeah. I ran out on the field, and that was it. There you go. <laughs> Great memory. Speaking of BYU gear, uh, you, bring us some, you brought us some stuff. Yes. Thanks for reminding me. These are Royal Blue Collective. Now, they're not available yet to the public. Okay. That's our, that's our logo. We've nice. had really good feedback. This nice. is what we gave the players as they came and, and were doing the charity project. We have a couple of other ones lined up, but I just wanted to bring one oh, that's awesome. for each of you. Thank you. And uh, you can wear it proud. Spencer Johnson was wearing this the next day after, after that uh, project. And so, uh, but, but you know, it's, there is something unique about Cougar fans and Cougar Nation and, and what we believe BYU is and, and can be. And so anything that brings us together, we're... Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm I know everybody that. listening in that will download this and listen to it on the podcast is, is glad to hear that this is a full, we're taking care of the whole athlete and their future, which is big, yeah. but, but, but also um, that, that BYU can compete when it comes to NIL with other teams in the, in the Big 12. A lot of people have been asking me that. It gives me comfort that, that we can go and get the best athletes. Awesome. We hope you'll be a regular and come back. Anytime. This is fun. Just walking in here, like I said, it's just like, oh, wow. It's a little daunting and <laughs> at the same time <laughs> very exciting. It's a layer. Only, only a very few people are even allowed it's to know what this is. I will not <laughs> share it We with always anyone. say we're coming from an undisclosed <laughs> location, Provo. We've got our own little studio here, and nobody knows where it's it is. It's awesome. Thanks it's for coming awesome. tonight. All right. Thank you. Mark Comer, co-chair. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, the uh, collective for BYU, the Royal Blue, and uh, doing some great things. Um, and we sure appreciate 
his time on the Wise Guys. Our next guest tonight played linebacker at BYU, won back-to-back Mountain West Conference championships in 2006 and 2007, coached six seasons with Bronco Mendenhall in Provo, another five with Bronco in Virginia. Last year he was the special teams and edge rusher coach at Boise State. And it's a pleasure to welcome home Kelly Papinga to the Wise Guys and back to BYU. Coach, thank you for carving out a few minutes with us on uh, on Tuesday night and coming on the Wise Guys. Great to see you. Yeah, it's uh, great to be with you guys. It's been, a, it's been a crazy day for me, so sorry about not getting on earlier. That's okay. How does it feel to be back? You look down, you're wearing a – they got the Sailor Coog shirt on, and, and you're, you're all back, He's BYU. Old He's old school with that Sailor Coog deal right there. I love it. I oh, love yeah. it. It was awesome. The, the first day I came back and I put on the, the BYU logo and just the, the blue and being back in the facility and everything, it just felt, it felt like home. It felt like where I, I should be at this time. And, you know, although I love my time at Boise State and, uh, you know, uh, at Virginia and I grew a ton and learned a ton, I uh, just felt like it was time to come back and be able to hopefully apply a lot of those things that I learned over the years back to a program that I love so much that's done so much for me and yeah just ready to get to work with these guys and uh, you know here comes spring ball here in a couple weeks so just getting ready to roll for that what what, is there something that you missed most when you were gone from BYU and you may even recognize it more now that you're back man I missed that when I was gone Oh man, that is a great question. There's a, there's a lot of things I miss, but I, I think the thing I probably missed the most was playing in uh, Lavelle Edwards stadium and coaching in Lavelle Edwards stadium and just the atmosphere that uh, you can be involved in, in that stadium week after week after week. And uh, just the fan base and how passionate they are um, and how much they care, which can go both ways, right? That can be good and bad at times. Mm-hmm. Right. But right. That then. uh, than the other way where they don't care much at all and they're, they're fair weather. But man, it was, uh, it was, you know, for me going back in 2021 when Virginia came and played here, that was a weird deal just coming back into that stadium. But that night I, I realized I'm like, man, this is what makes this place special. I mean, that night obviously it was a shootout and, you know, didn't go our way, you know, Virginia's way. And, uh, and, but the, the electricity in that stadium that night, um, man, I just have forgotten about the fan base and how, uh, crazy they can get and how loud they are and just uh, man I'm just excited to get back in those moments and uh, you know look forward to this season especially playing some big 12 games in that in that stadium I'm, I'm super excited to get back into that atmosphere again let's go back to that night for just a moment um, you give up 734 yards the Cavaliers <laughs> defense and 66 points and you're back and experiencing everything you just described. So what was going on in your mind when Algier just kept running for touchdowns? It was bad. I, I can just remember <laughs> you know, and Bronco and Nick Cal and Shane Hunter, all these guys that, you know, we'd won a lot of games in that stadium. And uh, honestly, the best, you know, I can laugh about it now, but honestly, probably one of the worst nights in my coaching career. I was embarrassed. Honestly, I was embarrassed. You know, you come home. I had a lot of family in the stands. We yeah. were six and two at the time. We mm-hmm. felt like we had a really good team, and uh, man, it was just—they put a whooping on us like I'd never. I mean, those—that's the most points I'd ever I've ever given up as a coach. And so I just, you know, I tell I tell A Rod all the time and Fessy about it all the time. I'm like, man, you guys just rolled. I mean, it was like any anything they did that night too worked. I mean, I, I can't remember how many balls they threw down the field, but it seemed like they caught every one. And then we couldn't tackle Algier. You know, we were, like, scared of him that night for some reason. I don't know what it was. It was just like the perfect storm hit us, and 
And, uh, you know, the, you look up at the board. I remember at halftime, I think we were winning at halftime. I think Virginia yeah. was winning like 41 to 38. And I remember I turned to Matt Edwards, who's LaBelle, LaBelle Edwards' grandson. And I said, hey, this is exactly how LaBelle wanted this night, I guess. It's a shootout, <laughs> you know, with Bronco returning back to BYU and all of us. But holy crap, yeah, that's, no, that's a night I want to forget. Nobody honestly. nobody could stop anyone then. If you're just a fan of just high-scoring football, it was one of the best games ever. But uh, – you know, if you like defense, I guess not. And you're on the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> you're on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, that that was a crazy night. I, I thought that the night started off the right way, though. Um, I, I think Bronco was probably wondering how he would be received back there. And, um, you know, I, I had talked to him afterwards, and, and even after the loss, I think he was taken back a little bit by how warmly he was welcomed back and the fans really gave him a great ovation and we're glad to have him back and recognize the great contributions he had made to BYU while he was here. And you were part of that as well. What was that like? That was, uh, I think it was really special for Bronco. Cause like you said, I think, you know, not that he, I don't think he showed it all week and I, I knew he really wanted to win that game bad, you know, just like, you know, all of us that, you know, had played there and coached there. Um, but I think more than anything, I don't think he uh, realized how much the fans appreciated him, all the stuff that he did and all the accomplishments that he had when he was there. Um, you know, because sometimes the, the fans that are the most vocal are the fans that are your worst enemies at times. And so, to, you know, sometimes I think that's maybe some of the noise that he heard when he was here. Um, and uh, I think when he heard that crowd and the, you know, ovation that they that they gave him, I think that that I think it brought, you know, I think it got him really, I actually know it got him really emotional. And, uh, you know, I think it was a special moment for him and, you know, really for all of us to see that and the, how the Cougar fans appreciated him. And, and uh, you know, he's done, he's done amazing things for our football program here. And he's, you know, one of the uh, legacies in our program, I believe. And shoot, I played for him and the things we accomplished. I did, you know, I don't think the program would be where it is today without Bronco Mendenhall. BYU special teams, the defensive end coach Kelly Papinga on the Wise Guys tonight, live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. After Virginia, you go to Boise State, where, again, you've got to watch BYU march down the field uh, and and score a winning touchdown with Puka Nakua making a phenomenal play that your defender did everything he possibly could to keep Puka from making that catch. And uh, and the Cougars get you again. This is just the this is just the <laughs> conversion process of getting you back, right? I, I guess I had to go through all this personally, but I I, I remember sitting in the locker room that night because you know being a being a coach and a player for BYU, you get you get kind of you know crap throughout the whole week. Everybody's like, oh, we got to you know for Papinga, we got to get these guys, you know. They're and you know it's just this whole talk and. And uh, and I, I wanted that game so bad because, I you know, shoot, you want to beat your former team. And, uh, you know, and especially how it turned out the year before, I thought, man, we, I, I, I got to put forward a better effort. And uh, we played better that night. But still, the offense for BYU that night, I told A-Rod, I'm so glad I'm coaching with him now so I don't have to face his dang offense. <laughs> because of the explosive plays that he puts up all the time. And it's, you know, it's not just against – the times I played them, I and you, you, it's against everybody. They're doing it against everybody, and it's, you know, I'm glad I'm on that side where I don't have to defend it because I think he's put up a good scheme. But you know, that night, you know, I thought, you know, that fourth quarter all of a sudden turned into it like was the Virginia game all over again. You know, kind of was slow there for three quarters, and then all of a sudden, man, the fourth quarter just both teams just took off, and uh, I thought we had, I thought we had them honestly, especially I think it was fourth and six. Yeah, and he'd been pretty good all year in the red zone. And I felt like we had a pretty good call. And really what they decided to do is, hey, we're going to take 
you know, 20, you know, 20 guys out of this equation. And we're going to say, Hey, our guy against, you know, their guy. And really that was our best cover guy all year, Caleb Biggers. And, uh, you know, Nakua just made a better play, probably one of the most impressive catches I've ever seen. And, and, uh, you know, hats off to them that night for uh, that game. It was a, you know, a great atmosphere and it's never hard or it's never easy to go up there and win, you know, win in Boise on the blue and, you know, BYU's done it uh, multiple times now, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. It's so, so now you hear about the changes that are happening at BYU and, and obviously this, this is home for you. I mean, like welcome home. We're welcoming you home and, and everybody's welcoming you home. This is where you belong, right? H- how does that all transpire? Do you reach out first? Does BYU reach out to you? Take us through that time as you're recognizing there might be opportunities here and, and this would be a great fit for you to come back. Yeah, so it you know it really happened really fast. So we, um, shoot, I'm trying to remember. We played Utah State um, on a Friday night, the uh, Friday after Thanksgiving. And I can't remember. I remember that was the night BYU played Stanford. The next night, I think BYU yeah. played Stanford. And uh I think on Monday, um, some not Kalani, but somebody reached out to me just saying, "Hey, would you be interested?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I, you know, it's BYU. I I would definitely listen." And then, you know, Kalani had reached out to Coach Avalos, and I think all week they'd kind of been playing phone tag going back and forth because we were getting ready for the Mountain West Conference Championship game. So, you know, BYU was getting ready for the bowl game, and I think out recruiting, and we were trying to get ready to to win a conference championship. And so it wasn't a, it wasn't ideal, and I was trying to stay as focused as I could on making sure I was putting my my best foot forward to help those kids up there win because we had had a pretty good year. And, uh, you know, as the week went on, kind of back and forth, and finally I think they had connected a little bit on Friday before the game, just saying, and, you know, Kalani saying, hey, I, you know, I'd like to talk to Kelly about some openings. And, um, and then from there it just kind of went forward from there. And Saturday the game ended, and I think um, Andy and uh, Kalani talked after the game. Kalani told him that he was going to offer me a job Saturday night. And, uh, you know, that night I had about a couple of hours to decide if I was going to take the job because um, Kalani needed me here um, in Provo to start recruiting and start helping, you know, uh, get this defensive uh, roster put together and help this defensive staff get put together. And so it, it happened really quickly after the game. And I remember about 10, 1030 that night I called I called Andy and told him that I was going to accept the job and had to call my players up there, which was really hard to do because I'd grown close to those guys. And and shoot, that Sunday, uh, things were things were in the works to get me back to Provo. And uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was an exciting time. It happened really fast. I don't know if my wife really appreciated how fast it <laughs> happened, but, uh, but no, we're we're happy to be back here. And that that's actually what we were doing today. We just moved into our house today and. That was a whirlwind this morning, and so trying to get all you know all that situated and going through all those motions now, and getting our kids in school and all that stuff. It's it's been a whirlwind over the last month for sure. Well, here you are now back in Cougar Blue, and Jay Hill wants an aggressive defense. What will that require of your edge rushers? Yeah, number number one, I think I think it always starts with run defense, and how I've always coached. So defensive ends, outside backers, I look at the same way. It's really the same exact thing I've uh, I did under you know in, um, in Broncos scheme and really the same thing I did at Boise State just calling it different things you know with Bronco we call them outside backers at Boise State we call them edge players here we call them defensive ends but it's really all the same thing and it, I think it starts with those guys and setting edges in the defense um, and so that's making sure that you know we're we're able to 
win one-on-ones in the run game versus tight ends and offensive tackles. And then we're able to, on stunts, be able to slip inside of those guys as well and get TFLs, as we saw Kyle Vannoy do a ton of. And our scheme does similar things that, you know, we did with Kyle on the edge. And then after that, after we stopped the run, I think, you know, to be aggressive, um, you have to have a great pass rush. And you just look at these schemes, not just what he did at Utah, but what he's done at Weaver State. He's had great pass rush great pass rush and if you don't have great pass rush then um you're leaving those corners and those safeties out on the island all night long and uh that's why this defense over the years is just time tested they've been able to get great pass rush with great man-to-man coverage and mixing in some other zones and uh you know so i tell my guys i, I said really we have two jobs we've got to keep it simple we got to set the edge of the defense in the run game we've got to be able to get you know attack the quarterback in the pass game and if we do those two things then we'll be very successful as a group. And I feel like we have we have the group to do some damage this year for sure. That's fun stuff. You know, I had a lot of conversations over the years with, with Broncos old mentor, Rocky Long, and I used to say to him, man, how do you get corners that can cover like this? And he'd say, Blaine, you're misunderstanding everything. We don't have good corners. That's, that's We just get to the quarterback so fast they don't have to cover for very long. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's I like that philosophy. Um, I wanted to ask you, you're not the only one coming down from Boise State. You brought along with you defensive tackle Jackson Cravens, Kyle Whittingham's nephew, Julie's son, which I think is awesome. And then edge rusher um, Isaiah Bagna, both transferring to BYU. What do they bring to the D-line? You know him better than anybody. Yeah, so just starting with Jackson, I just I was always impressed with Jackson's work ethic. He um, smart, tough, um, no nonsense. I mean, uh, Coach Milo was the D-line coach up there, and he coached those guys really, really hard, and I never saw Jackson ever complain. Um, he was just went out there, did his job, was super physical. Um, he's more athletic than he appears. He's one of those guys that has like kind of that little hidden athleticism because you look at this guy and you're like, man, he looks kind of, you know, oh, he looks older. He, he fits in well with the BYU guys. You know, <laughs> you know, so you look at him, you're like, man, this guy doesn't look, you know, so much like a football player. But man, when he puts the pads on and uh, he he goes to work on the inside, and that was just super impressed with just not just his physicality but his athleticism and those two things combined for a defense alignment plus toughness and and being relentless i think is a great combination and so i was excited to see when he decided to come here and uh you know get you know his deal was just getting close close to family he wanted to get back close to family and and shoot he grew up two blocks away from the stadium right. so you know it's it's close to home for him and then isaiah he was a guy this last year that we tried at inside backer we were trying to get our best 11 on the field and we were pretty loaded on our edge um, position at Boise last year. And so we were trying to get, and I, Isaiah was one of our better players. And so we were trying to get him on the field. So we moved him inside back early in the season and really just didn't go as planned as we will. He's a true edge rusher. And so, um, but he can't play stack backer. And if you go back to the 2021 film, he had a great game against BYU, um, had some really good games against Nevada, a really good game against, um, there's another game he had three sacks, and I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was Nevada, and then he had another game against New Mexico. Anyway, he had four or five games in that 2021 year that were just as good as anybody I'd seen in a long time. And really, when I turned on the film, he reminds me of a, of a Brian Kill. Mm. Um, he moves like Brian. He's athletic but like Brian. He's versatile where he can drop into coverage, but he can rush off the edge. He, um, there's a lot of stuff you can do with Isaiah. He's nearly you know, 6'4", 230 pounds, but can run. 
um, so he's he's an exciting guy to you know exciting piece to have because you can do a lot of stuff with those type of guys. Kelly Papinga led BYU in tackles his senior year with 113 in the linebacker spot. Cougars went 10 and three that year. He's back coaching the edge rushers and special teams coordinator. Happy to have him on the Wise Guys. Uh, your list of alumni who you've coached: uh, Kyle Van Noy, Fred Warner, Sione Takitaki. Spencer Hadley, and it goes on and on and on. And so, of course, everyone has huge expectations for you to find some more of these. <laughs> Just got to live up to that. Guys. That's all, Kelly. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a pretty good group. Uh, yeah, that's, that's called great recruiting. And you know what? A lot of, I get credit for recruiting these guys. You got to credit Barry Lamb, Paul Tidwell. Uh, Lance Reynolds, they recruited a lot of those guys, and they just kind of fell in my lap when I got here. So I was like, <laughs> you know, the guys that I truly recruited, Fred, I truly recruited. Um, you know, Siona, I truly recruited. You know, Troy Hines was another four-star guy that just, you know, injuries, but great high school player that we recruited that never just, you know, was healthy enough to finish his career. But, you know, a lot of those guys early in the career, I just got lucky to be the coach at the time, <laughs> you know thank Paul Tidwell and Barry Lamb and Lance for recruiting those guys. But, you know, the guy that I honestly take the most pride on is Ziggy because, you know, myself and coach Kafusi and Bronco, you know, it took three of us. We didn't have to do any recruiting. That was all development. And it went from Bronco to me to Steve back to me, back to Bronco. I mean, it was the three of us for a three year time frame of developing this guy. And we saw what he could become. And, you know, it took a lot of us, you know, kind of, telling him what he could be and then you know shoot i couldn't tell you how many times that guy wanted to quit and we had to talk him out of quitting <laughs> and then shoot three years later this guy's a you know the fifth overall pick and so you know i you know obviously it's hard to find ziggy on sauce but um it was it was a process and a great process to, to develop somebody like that yeah there's there's not many ziggy was a freak among freaks in the nfl and yeah. that, that's saying something so when you look over this defense, and I know you haven't had a chance to be in spring ball, it's probably, probably going to take that, but does anybody jump out at you where you're like, wow, this guy's got some potential to be really, really good with as, as we develop him? Yeah, I think, you know, the guy that continued to, um, and this is not at my position. I can get to my position. The guy that continued to jump out to uh, Coach Hill and I was uh, Bywater, Ben Bywater. Yeah. And then, you know, I think he showed it in the bowl game, and I think he has a chance. Um, to fit into this scheme really, really well. But as far as just talking to my position, the guy that, you know, I've been just really um, impressed with from day one, from his practice habits to the tools that he has, to the body that he has is uh, Tyler Batty. And I think he has a chance to be a really good leader for our team. And I just, I like his mindset. I like his work ethic. Um, and I just, you know, he has a great body, different type of body than what I've really, you know, really more of a, uh, man, not, I think he's more athletic than a Jan Jorgensen and he's not quite as athletic as a Ziggy. Um, he's kind of right in that, you know, that middle ground between those guys that are both really good players, but kind of remind me, you know, has some traits of both of those guys. Um, and so I, you know, I'm anxious, we're going to put him in our bull position, which is our, our bigger defensive end position. And, uh, you know, I think he can do, do some really good stuff for us at that position. I'm excited to coach him. A few more questions for Kelly Papinga, the big 12 schedule when that came out, uh, what did you think? <laughs> I was, you know, it's awesome. You know, when I left BYU to go to Virginia, the thing that I loved the most was playing in a conference again. And I think all of us that had been, you know, independent for five years and, you know, independence was fun. You were able to go all over the country, play all these different teams, but it just, it was hard um, to really know what, um, you're playing for week in and week out. You know, there was this pride that you wanted to play for, 
Um, but really, if you ended up losing one or two games, it was tough to really get to your ultimate goal. We wanted to play in a New Year's Six Bowl game every year. And that was tough to do once you lost, you know, that first or second game, obviously. And so once we got to the ACC and being able to just play, um, you know, that conference schedule and um, be able to play those teams year after year after, you get to know the players really well. You get to know the coaches really well. You get to know the schemes. And then it's fun because, you know, now there's this game within the game each year of, okay, what are they going to do that they did last year? What are they going to do different? And it's just, man, it just, it, it it was fun to do because I had my first two years as a coach. Um, we were still in the Mountain West, and then after that was independent. And just being back um, and being able to play for a conference championship. And every year that we were there, except for our first year, right at the end, we had a chance every year. And that was fun. You know, our last yeah. two games, we were still in it to be, you know, competing for something, playing for something. And uh, it's just I'm excited to get back, you know, into that conference play again. Yeah, we look at that November schedule, Kelly, and, and it's just like, Oh, it's like hallelujah. always had such a hard time in Independence having November schedules. You know, it's just always patchwork. And, and you go at West Virginia, Iowa State at home, Oklahoma at home, and finish up on Thanksgiving weekend at Oklahoma State. That that run at the end of the season, that's something special to play those teams all in conference. And hopefully you guys go to Oklahoma State with something on the line. When you look at that November schedule, what, what goes through your mind? Yeah, uh, it reminds me, like, just going back to, to my coaching career, it reminds me of just the ACC. And, you know, we always ended the year with Pitt and Virginia Tech, who were who became two of the better teams when we were in the ACC. And so you got to play your best ball in November, and no matter what. And, uh, you know, those teams right there, Iowa State, even though they had a down year a year ago, man, the years previous to that, playing great defense and really one of the more physical and more consistent teams in the Big 12. So that's no cupcake there. And, you know, obviously traveling out to West Virginia and that atmosphere is going to be unbelievable. It's going to be awesome. And, uh, you know, those two teams at the end, you know, they, they've both probably been, you know, two of the most consistent teams over the past, you know, five, six years in, in the Big 12. So it's I think it's a great test for our team. But the thing that I'm I'm really excited about that I think BYU's done a great job of is I think this team's prepared. This team's more prepared for a Power 5 schedule than I think any team that's come from um, you know, you can say independent G5, whatever, but not being a power five team to becoming a B power five team, BYU has to be the best prepared team that's ever made the jump um, just based upon the the independent schedules we've had, especially the last two years. I mean, just the, the teams that we played, where we played them, how they played um, our, our record, especially against the Pac-12, I think shows that uh, we can play against these power five teams week in and week out. And so, um, you know, I think it's an exciting time. I think the guys are excited for it. I think they're prepared for it. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's it's just time. You guys know it. We've been waiting for this time for a long time. <laughs> As BYU fans and alumni and everything, this is uh, this is an exciting time to be a part of BYU football. Well, K-Pop, we've, we've toyed with the idea. We have – I don't know if you can see our studio from on your view, but we have all the Big 12 up here. You know, Nixon keeps telling us we need to hang a Pac-12 championship banner up here from two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> we might do it. We just might do it. These uh, uh, yeah, that would that would uh, get some people fired up up north. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes it would. Um, you're out recruiting now, kids for the future. As the the recruiting class has already been announced uh, last week, how big of a deal is Big Twelve membership being a P five, even instantly um, for you on the recruiting trail? Yeah, I think it's um, it's maybe the biggest. Um, you know, I don't like to say sales pitch, but I think that one of the biggest um, advantages that we have in our program right now is just, I think for a long time, uh, there's a lot of players that wanted to come to BYU, 
the ultimately they wanted to play power five football yeah. and there's just something about playing power five football and playing at the biggest stage and not that BYU was a big stage, but it wasn't the biggest stage in some of these kids' minds. And I think now you, you add what BYU's done historically and you add to what our home atmosphere is and you add to the collective and you add to all these different resources that BYU can provide. There's, there's going to be, um, there's not there's not many teams that I think can provide what we can, especially the type of kid that we're looking for um, that fits BYU. And so um, I just know from, you know, recruiting independently from the you know seven years ago when I was last year to now, this is a completely different deal. And just the guys that I've been able to talk to and how interested they are um, from all around the country. Um, it's it's for me, it's a different feel than it's ever been. And, uh, you know, I just feel like we're going to have a chance with with every guy that uh, um, that we're going to want to have a chance with. Kelly Papinga, BYU's new special teams and defensive ends coach on the Wise Guys. All right, it's Super Bowl week. Let's go back in time to 2009. You're free agent with the Cardinals. Cardinals are playing the Steelers in the Super Bowl. Um, what, where were you at with the, with the franchise at this time? Were you on the practice uh, squad? Were you on the sideline? What, what I, yep. I, I've Googled everything and it just shows you're a free agent with the Cardinals this yeah. Super Bowl we, we season. Knew, we knew Brett was starting at D tackle or DN <laughs> for the Steelers at that time, right? Brett Kiesel. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I was, so I think Aaron Francisco was on the team. He was starting safety. Yep. Um, and so I was, uh, I was on the practice squad that year that at that time as a linebacker. And so I went. I was earlier in the season. I was on the St. Louis Rams. Who were one of the, they were, I think, were the worst team <laughs> in the NFL. I get cut right before Thanksgiving, and I'm thinking I got cut from the worst team in the NFL. I am oh, just, man. you know, I'm terrible. I'm like, okay, career's <laughs> over. And then the very next day, the Cardinals call me and say, hey, we need a linebacker. And so I, I finished the season with them. So it was late November, um, the week after Thanksgiving to uh all the way through the super bowl uh my wife and i were, were were with the cardinals and it was it was an awesome experience so for that game i was on the sideline we played in tampa bay and uh so i was on the sideline i wasn't dressed out but i was on the sideline and if you watch closely on that james harrison uh pick six <laughs> i could have stuck my foot out and tripped him and really made some noise on that play right there. But, I, I mean, I was right there on the sideline. And at, um, really, when the play started, I remember a bunch of us, because the play was all the, all the way down on the opposite end zone, and we were on the field, so we had a good view to see what was going on. And then all of a sudden, when the play started happening, and I'm like, oh, crap, this play is actually coming at us right now. We all had to take a step backward. <laughs> and uh, I'm not kidding you. I could have stuck my foot out to trip James Harrison and, and uh, maybe stop one of the biggest plays in uh, you know Super Bowl history. Oh, that would have been the biggest. Like, you, we'd still be watching <laughs> that video, so it's probably good that you didn't because we'd be watching it for the wrong reasons. Now, Bruce Bing Springsteen was a halftime show. For that one, we oh yeah, did, hey, I'm a big Bruce. Well, we all we all are really huge, right? Yeah. So did you did you get to stay out, or did you have to go to the locker room? Could you stay out no, and watch that at halftime? No, I didn't get to stay out, but my wife, oh. an old school camcorder, she she videoed it for me. <laughs> so I got it somewhere on some like old cassette tape somewhere. I got to pull out and listen to Bruce Springsteen's halftime show. Oh, oh man! So she got to see Springsteen. You, you were in the locker room. That's just wrong. <laughs> So Andy Reid and the Chiefs take on the Eagles Sunday in the Super Bowl. Who do you have? Ooh, I got to go. You got to go with the Chiefs. You got to go with Andy Reid and uh, just, you know, great guy. Unbelievable coach, but I think even a better person. And uh, I don't know him great. And um, just the interactions I've had with him a few times. I mean, he's 
he's treated me like I'm his best friend. I don't even, I barely know the guy. And so just, uh, you know, when you meet people like that in the coaching world, you want those guys to have a lot of success and just, you know, especially going against his old team and just being, you know, something about going against Philadelphia. You just want him to just, you know, put it on those guys and just kind of, you know, to all those Eagles fans that just kind of gave him a little bit of crap for never winning the Super Bowl. You just, Hope that he's able to pull one off against his old team. Yeah, he, he's in rarefied air. He's, he's already a Hall of Famer, but he wins this Super Bowl. Yeah, like he's he's in a class all by himself. So we're we're rooting for Andy too. Hey, hey, uh, K-pop spring practice begins in about a month. Um, goals for the defense and, and and for the staff during those six 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 weeks of workouts. What what do you try to get done between now um, and the end of spring ball? Yeah, I think you know as we talk about it as a staff defensively, as you come in with a, with a new scheme and a new staff, I think there's a couple of things that you, you always want to be able to, to get done through spring brawl is number one, we got to make sure we're developing, you know, our, our culture and how coach Hill wants, you know, what this um, defense, how it's going to identify us. And so we'll build that culture during spring ball. There'll be different things that these guys haven't done in a long time, uh, just different practice habits and, um, different drills and ways that we're going to create, you know, physicality and toughness and aggression. And, and so there's, yeah, that that's going to get established and there's going to be guys that, yeah, we're going to see, we're going to see how they like it, you know, cause it's going to be, there's going to be some friction there. I already know it, but um, <laughs> just based upon what I've seen in workouts though, I don't think there's going to be many guys that back down. I think they, they actually want um, the style of play and, you know, the way that we're going to coach them. I think, um, they're just they're just looking forward to that and and that opportunity and then you know for us just developing simple skills and fundamentals that can help you be a good defense and so just being great tacklers I think you know that's something that coach uh, coach Hills um, you know talked about and then being able to just know how to defeat blocks and you know play the run game that's something too and then just being great in in, in pass rush and uh, you know, affecting the quarterback, it being great in coverage. And so if we can get if we can get those things done and, uh, you know, also emphasize takeaways, that's something that uh, we've emphasized as well. Um, just being able to focus on those four things, I think, will help us take the, you know, the next step, getting ready for summer training and then getting ready for fall camp. Special teams-wise, you got to replace Olderoid, your place kicker, your punter back, and Ryan Rico. And, and what about kickoff returns, punt returns, uh, what do you like there? Every, everybody wants another James Die. Like, yeah, do you, want do you have one Dye of those? Or a Vice Sikahema, please. <laughs> yeah. Can you find so us a Vice Sikahema Pro Bowl NFL punt return guy? <laughs> yeah, so I, I I think Soul J can be that guy. I really do. I really? Think I love that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that was something Fessy and A-Rod had brought up to me when I got here. And I saw it in the bowl game. And when they told me that they were moving him to running back, I thought, man, that was the first thing that popped in my head is this guy could be a great kick returner, great pound returner. But I do think Hobbs, he has he has um, some skill at, at punt return. And I do think that's, that is his strength, is punt return more than kick return. I do think we need to find a, a dynamic speed guy um, that's willing to just hit it, that's fearless in the kick return game. And I think there's some options there that we have. I think Soljay could be another guy. I do think the uh, Rapati Hinkley is another guy. I li- I've always liked running backs at uh, a kick returner because I think they're more used to running in, in small spaces. And that's where I think receivers, unless they're a fearless receiver, always struggle is because, you know, those guys were used to running out in open space yeah. or running they're used to running between the tackles, running in those confound spaces. And, and they're, you know, those short, 
um, you know, uh, sudden cuts that they have to make. And so if you can find a speedy back that's fearless, I think those guys um, can be great. And that, that Adam Hine, my last year here, 2014 and 15, he was, I thought, one of really the better kickers BYU you had seen in a long time. And uh, that was Adam's deal. Yeah, I mean, he just ran straight ahead, and I think he had two or three touchdowns between 14 and 15. Yeah, we and, were on uh, the we were on the call when he took one what yeah. 99 yards against Virginia. Love Adam. Yeah, Virginia, exactly. I I love showing that to our Virginia guys. It was a great team. Cool. What not to do? <laughs> you you appreciate that? You appreciate this, K-pop? We we had Ronnie Jenkins on the show a couple weeks ago, and he was he made the he was a Pro Bowl, um, led the league in kick returns when he was with the Chargers. And we were talking to him about what makes a great kick returner. And he goes, well, you know when you boil it all down? I was just really, really fast. That's what <laughs> yeah. he said. He said, I was, just, I was just blazingly fast. And we're like, okay, well, that helps. We'll try to find a guy that has that. <laughs> so, Yeah, that's uh, that's always a great quality, man. If you can catch that ball and go 99 yards in about five seconds, you know, with the football in your hand and all those pads on, then, you know, you're our type of guy. And I think, you know, this, uh, this Kingston kid they told me a lot about, uh, you know, they, uh, I think he's from Northern Utah. He's red shirted last year. A rod really track star. Yeah. Really, really fast. He feels like he's a, he's an option too as well. So, um, yeah, I think, I think we've got some good options there for Sweet. us. Love it. All Love right. It. We've got five questions for you and then we'll let you go continue to unpack. Uh, All right, we sure appreciate your time. Um, yeah, we do. You just, these are just top of your head. You just, you just we throw them at you and this lets everybody get to know you a little bit. Favorite sports movie. Who uh, remembered the Titans? Titans, yeah, great one. You know what? I did, wasn't didn't Nick say that too? Didn't Dave Nixon say that too? I think so. Yeah, Just like your boy one. Dave Nixon. So <laughs> remember the Titans. Favorite singer or band? We talked about Bruce Springsteen. I, he's not quite my favorite, so I gotta go. Um, I gotta go with the Beatles. I'm a big Beatles guy. That's classic. Old, that's classic, old school. I love it. Breakfast yep. favorite breakfast cereal. Favorite breakfast cereal. Oh. Even though I haven't had it in a long time, now that you bring it up, I'm, I'm going to go buy me a box of Fruity Pebbles. Nice. Oh, I have a brand new box of Fruity Pebbles up in my cupboard right Listen, now. Listen, when you're done with the f- pebbles, <laughs> it's flavored milk. It's like a win-win. Yeah, it's the best thing exactly. ever. Exactly. Favorite defensive play at BYU ever. Like it, highlight? Yeah, it doesn't even have to be the one that you were on, like coached, played, or yeah. saw. What's the favorite defensive play you've ever seen at BYU? I think it's got to be Kyle Van Noy. I mean, I could pick 90 plays of Kyle Van Noy, but it's got to be Kyle Van Noy in the um, 2012 Poinsettia Bowl on the strip sack fumble for a touchdown because it completely turned the game. And then yeah. a couple plays later, he gets a pick six. So <laughs> we, we go with the strip sack. We talk about that all the time, Kelly. We were like, when does a defensive player ever go, okay, well, I'm just going to have to take this game over all by myself yeah. and actually do it. That, that's one of the greatest defensive performances I've ever seen in my life. Was kind of a lot of people, you know, forget about that game too. He's he had a block punt in that game as well. That's set yeah. up right. I think another. So it's just like, I mean, the guy took, he literally took over the game and really probably statistically, I like to say probably the biggest, you know, the, the greatest defensive season in maybe BYU history in 2012. Yeah. Phenomenal. So, okay. Favorite piece of advice that your wife, Rebecca ever gave you. <laughs> I hope she's uh, listening. Right take now. the job might uh, be it, but I don't know. I wish she was here right now so she could hear this. But uh, <laughs> well, she can. It's on a, it'll be on a podcast tomorrow. There, she can listen. Tell her, honey, just listen to the last fifteen seconds. <laughs> Don't say too much. Listen more. Speak less. That's what I would probably say. Oh. Listen more. Speak less. 
smile more, talk less. That's from Hamilton, remember? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's, that, that's what uh, they kept telling Alexander Hamilton. Smile more, talk less. So, <laughs> so when you see Kalani. She said, so she said, listen more and talk less. You could pass that advice on to Kalani in your next team meeting. Kalani, oh, yeah. <laughs> listen, listen more, more talk, talk less. less. <laughs> <laughs> Kalani's a good listener. Come on. Hey, that's those, that's some great advice. So, no, These, that is. That's, that's great. That's, we're going to all follow that one. Well, we're, hey. we're, we're so glad to have you back in the fold. And uh, we're, all root, we're all rooting for you to have great success. I have to tell you, you you'll love this. So I, I went to a City League basketball game in Lehigh last week because Kellen told me to come up. And on this silly team is Kellen and Landon, Mike Muleman, and the great Brian Keel. And uh, you should see Brian Keel running up and down the floor. It's still like I'm like a dude that big is not supposed to be able to run that fast up and down. He can still bring it, Kelly. It's just crazy that Brian Keel can still move like that at that size. It's nuts. That's why. That's why he played whatever six or seven years in the NFL, and I only made it one because freak athletes just can, they can do it for a long <laughs> yeah. period of time. It was fun to watch him. You need to join that team. You'd be a nice addition to that city league team with with those guys. <laughs> To sit like in the baseline. That's all about it. I got a good baseline jumper, and that's about it. The greatest thing that ever happened to Brian Kill was catching that Hail Mary pass from Max Hall in the alumni game. The alumni game, game last I year. I couldn't believe that. I was like, Brian, that's the <laughs> biggest celebration you've ever had in your career. You didn't need to celebrate that much when we beat Utah in 07. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, thanks for being with us. We'll see you at practice. We appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Thanks for having me on. Kelly Papinga back at BYU after a few years at Virginia and Boise State. And uh, I love the energy in his voice when you talk about pass rush and getting to the quarterbacks. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. And that, that can't help but carry over into the players that he brought with him and that are there. And, and like he said, Tyler Batty's got, got everything that he needs. And, and maybe Batty with a little Papinga takes him to the next level. Yeah, and, and he, he mentioned um, Ben Bywater, and we, we noticed that all season last yeah. year. He says, that's not my position, but Ben Bywater has a chance to be really good, meaning go and play. like he. And you look at Ben Bywater's body and the and the way he plays, he's got a chance to be a great one, and it'll be fun to see him in the Big 12 this year. You know the thing that I took out of all of that, though? that 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 uh, And we all call him K-pop, but yeah. Kelly Papinga, K-pop. What, what K-pop kind of offered, like just on his own, he said, this is the most prepared team, in his opinion. Remember, he's coming from being at a P5 school in Virginia and then being at Boise State. So he's been here, he's gone, and he's come back. He says it's the most prepared team to make the jump from independence, G5, whatever, um, ever to jump into the into the P5 ranks. He thinks because of the schedule they played the last couple of years yeah, that they're that ready to go. And that I, was I, I thought that was a great comment. I also loved that... Um the idea of Soljay Maiava on kickoff returns. How about that on kickoff returns? That's, a, that's a great idea. I've never even idea. thought about that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Hobbs Nyberg did a good job on punt returns. He's right. We just need him to break a big one this next year. So yeah, we do. He had a couple of big ones. I want him to take it to the house. So. All right, let's wrap up the show with this day in history. There's a lot going on, and these are kind of fun because it kind of just puts it all in perspective for us of where we are and on the, on, in our lives and, and with the calendar. But you go back to 1882. And, of course, we all remember this. John L. Sullivan became the last bare-knuckle champion when he knocked out Patty Ryan in Mississippi. And then they had to start wearing gloves. They, so yeah, that's right. Can you imagine going to a bare-knuckle no, fight? No, bare-knuckle fight, somebody's going to get killed. That's you insane. can't do that. Maybe, so, the last one on this day in 1882. So, hey, how about 1940? Walt Disney debuted Pinocchio in New York City. It's been around, hasn't it? Pinocchio. Mike, everybody, like even kids today watch Pinocchio. Even their new commercials. 
featuring the whole Pinocchio story. Yeah, there you go. Uh, with the nose well, growing and the, and out. When, when politicians talk, they go, we're giving four Pinocchios for that. Yeah. Because their nose is growing. Game changer. <laughs> 1949, Joe DiMaggio becomes the first Yankee player to make $100,000 in a season. Aaron Judge, a Yankee player this year, will make $40 million. 100000 Joe DiMaggio was the highest played, played, paid player in the league. Okay. 1964, K-pop's favorite band, the Beatles, land at JFK in New York to begin their first U.S. tour. How big of a deal is that? Change the world. Change the world. 1985, New York, New York becomes the official anthem of New York City, and the Yankees play it after every win at Yankee Start Stadium. Start spreading the news. That's, that's my guy. I, that may be my favorite singer right there. Really? Now that you just said it, Frank right. Sinatra. Okay. He's the greatest. 2010. So now we're in Super Bowl time of year, right? Yeah. So 2010, um, the Super Bowl that year, the Saints beat the Colts 31-17. 2014, the Sochi Olympics opening ceremonies. I was there just to the left of the cauldron when it was lit in Russia. And um, a spectacular sight. Of course, we all remember from those Sochi games was all the Russian players that were the later banned for... Mm-hmm. Cheating the system. Way to go, Russia. 2016, another Super Bowl. Denver wins 24-10 to 10 over Carolina. Now, I'm going to tie 10 and 16 together here, so hang with me. Okay. In 2010, the Saints won that game. The coach, Sean Payton. 2016, the Denver Broncos win that game, 2016. In 2024, the coach of the Denver Broncos will be Sean Payton. Sean Payton. And will he bring Taysom Hill to Denver? I would love that because yeah. uh, he uses him. Yep, there you go. Uh, 2021 on this day, Tampa Bay beat Kansas City in the Super Bowl. The one I was talking to earlier, uh, oh, it, was the, it wasn't the 49ers defense. It was the Bucks that's defense. That's right, the Bucks defense. We're, we're expecting great. this shootout. I'm glad we come full circle here. Yeah, but, that's right. It was the Bucks. But more importantly, it was Tom Brady's seventh Super Bowl win. Yeah, amazing. He's the great. He is the GOAT. Is there any question on that? Nope, Who's the, the number two GOAT? Joe Montana? Boy, that I think you open that, up for a debate. That's a hard one. The number that's two a hard goal. one after that. Well, that's for another show. I so. like Roger Staubach. <coughs> yeah, for sure. You're, you're so. old school. Some Joe Namath might get in there. Little mix. Yeah. Let's talk about February seventh okay. birthdays. Eighteen oh four. John Deere. It's his birthday. Nothing runs like a deer. Eighteen twelve. Charles Dickens. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times, which could also describe his mom delivering him <laughs> the best of times and the worst of times. 1867, Laura Ingalls Wilder. Does that name sound familiar? The author of Little House on the Prairie. Can you believe that? 1867, and that show was on while we were kids. Merlin Olson. And it's still on YouTube. Was Merlin Olson in that show? No. Yeah. No, yeah, he was. Was he on that, Little yeah. House on the Prairie? Well, he was the dad, wasn't he? Oh, and Michael Landon. No, I can't remember one. Was he on that one? Yeah, because I thought Michael Landon was on Bonanza. I can't even remember. You know, with the cowboy with the Cartwrights? That's right. I, I think it was I think it was Merlin Olson at Little House of the Prairie. Uh, 1962, born on this day, Garth Brooks. He is 60 years old. Garth Still rolling. Garth Brooks is 60. How old's Tim McGraw? He's got to be younger than that. That's all, care, that's all Brenda cares about, yeah. Tim McGraw. So Garth Brooks, he's okay, but it's not. he's no Tim McGraw. <laughs> so 1966, Chris Rock. Comedian. And, and uh, has he gotten over the slap, the whole slap thing? Is that, a, is that you know? I still don't even know if that was real. You talk, you talk about with Will Smith? The fallout with Will Smith makes me seem like it kind of was real. It seems like it was fake. I don't, even, I don't even know. I thought it was fake at the time, and then he's gotten so and much grief fake, since. Was re- I don't even know. So. 1974, Steve Nash, eight-time NBA All-Star, Santa Clara alum from the WCC, was born on this day. Yep. So... 
How about our quote of the week? Let's do it. This week it comes from the great Thomas Edison. And Thomas Edison failed so many times in his life. Before all of the great inventions that we know him for, he had multiple failures, but he just never stopped. So what would the show be like tonight without Thomas Edison? Exactly. No light. So our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always try just one more time. And he did that over and over. If you ever go read the history of Thomas Edison, you'll be flabbergasted by how many times he failed before all the inventions that we know him for came forward. I remember a quote from Michael Jordan talking about, um, they were talking about all the shots he made, and his quote was all the shots he missed. Right, right. Um, and he just kept shooting, which allowed him to hit the get, shots. Get all the winning shots, right, yeah. so, that we remember. So. Hey, we want to extend our congratulations to our friend and longtime colleague at BYU TV, Russ Merrill. Spent his career in the TV truck or the production booth as our director for live sports. Called almost every single game you and I have announced at BYU. Literally thousands of games Russ directed. Called his last one Saturday when BYU beat Pacific. And this is his first week of retirement. I called him this morning. I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm watching Sports Nation. Oh I go, it's your first day of retirement. I was on Sports Nation And you're watching today. Sports Nation. He goes, I was yeah. on there. And uh, one of the greats that we've had a pleasure to be with and we're going to have lunch uh, with him next yep. week. We love, we love Russ Merrill. And, uh, and anybody and congratulations. who appreciated BYU sports on BYU TV since 1977, you know, have pleasant thoughts towards Russ Merrill because he had so much to do with, with the development of all of it. And now we are embarking into the Big 12 and the future and all that stuff, and he's one of the guys that yeah. launched us. He, and he earned the right to chill. He and, and he Michael Miner. earned the Miner. right to chill. Yeah. So hey, our, our show, After Further Review, he's the brainchild behind. Yeah, he does I'm so like, much I, of I, that. He does so much of what we do. You write it and, and, and that, but he just pulls it all together. Yeah, so now we're going to have to find a new Russ. It's not going to be easy, but yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll give it a shot. John Beck's going to be with us next week on Valentine's Day. He's our Valentine's Day special guest. Yep. And he's got so much to do with Keaton Slovis, Jaron Hall, and... Zach Wilson, right. and it's going to be a great conversation. Here's our promise to you for next week. So don't go out to dinner with your wife until later next week for Valentine's Day or with your honey. Because we'll get you out a little early next week. Yeah, our so gift. Our, our gift. gift to you, we'll get you out a little early <laughs> so we can all go to dinner after the show. That's our gift. That sounds like a great idea. Uh, the podcast will be up tomorrow. <laughs> we sure appreciate uh, you checking in with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, YSGuys.com. Tell your friends, and we're just going to keep doing this. It's getting bigger and bigger, and we can kind of feel some great momentum as the Big 12. If you didn't feel momentum from Kelly Popinga, like that guy has all kinds of momentum. It made you want to go tackle Yeah, he somebody. has energy. Our, our podcast is feeling some of that momentum and energy. For Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCann of the Wise Guys, and for our crew, good night, everybody. We'll see you next week.